This is Tom Tolls. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And you're doing it without your head. Think about it. Oh, wait, you can't. You don't have a head. <laughs> oh, man, I went too far again. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and uh starting fun already and um i'm joined by uh horror icons the return of author and of the venus complex and female cenobite hellbound barbie wild hi there hey it's good to have you back and narrator of the venus complex and pinning himself doug bradley hello hello good to have you both here it's been well, it's great good to be, be here, here. Yeah, last time I saw Barbie was uh, my first time in London, and uh, that, was a, that was a very fun time, but there's a lot less of me now. Oh, yes, I know. We were yeah. drinking, you know, I was being sort of normal, but you were drinking monster cocktails. Yes, I mean, yeah, there. Didn't your mother ever tell you not to eat anything bigger than your head, eat or <laughs> no, drink? I guess I missed that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be for like four people. But uh, they let oh. me order them for myself. So, <laughs> no, that was at Fright Fest, and um, I had a wonderful time. It was the first time I'd ever been to Fright Fest in London, um, and I saw a great film there called The Devil's Doorway, and yeah. um, uh, an Irish film directed by Aslan Aslan Clark. I'm probably mispronouncing her first name, but um, and and also we watched a series of horror shorts. And um, it was enormous fun. But you saw m- many more films than that, didn't you? Yeah, probably my favorite one there. And I wouldn't really want to call it a horror movie. 
and it does it's not really anything like the title suggests but it was uh the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot so uh, that was great and uh, it's starting with, people starting to talk about it now with sam elliott sam elliott yeah I love Sam Elliott. He's he's made some very interesting choices in his life mm-hmm. as an actor. But we're sort of not we've kind of a little bit um what's the word? Doug, you know the word. What are we doing? Do I? Yes. <laughs> we're divulging. No, we're di- right. di- Oh, we're digressing. Digressing. There we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well you may be divulging as well. I don't know. Yes. You're, you're divulging well, Neil's drinking habits. So. Yes, we are. Which is you know. <laughs> But um, I seem to remember also, of course, um, oh, gosh, was it five years ago we were in Atlanta? No, sorry, Atlantic City. And we right. had a Cenobite drinking contest. Yeah, that was a cocktail co- contest, actually. Mm-hmm. So there's a cocktail thing. That's very true. Yeah, it was. I'm just I was, water, I, was, yeah. I would. I would like to state that I was not part of this Cenobite cocktail contest i know not why, whereof you speak why weren't you there we were being why you know. would i be <laughs> um i mean i was there i was in atlantic city but you know they um, replied with delicious cocktails but anyway um again diverging yeah. <laughs> we, we are yes <laughs> anyway yeah so for the venus complex how how did uh, doug get involved to do the narration well, I mean, Doug, do you want to tell the story or? Uh, well, um, it was it, I, it was I shamelessly offered my services, basically. <laughs> um, uh, Barbie had given me a copy of the Venus Complex and I was reading it. And in, and um, in fact, as I, I often do, I was reading it to uh, Steph, my partner. I often read aloud while she is painting, drawing, working on stuff in, in her paint room. So we made our way through the Venus complex. Um, and uh, Steph's a very good sounding board for it because she's uh, she's not only a devotee of um, all things serial killer, uh, but she's... Um, She's she's a, a a fairly a fairly tough assessor, particularly when it comes to fictional fictionalizations of serial killers. So um, it impressed me that she was impressed by it. And when we when we came to the end of it, I mean, it struck me how easily it came off the page to speak to to read aloud. And I, you know, we we both sort of said. You know, wow, the kid done good, right? <laughs> not not half bad. Um, for a girl, and, uh, <laughs> for a female Cenobite, not bad, yeah. not bad, not bad. Um, could go places. And um, uh, I, I said uh, it really ought to be an audio book. And Steph said um, it 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 ought, and you ought to do it. And I said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I, I was sort of intrigued by the prospect. And I'm set up to be able to record uh, at home here now. So I thought about that too. And um, I, uh, I, I don't remember which convention it was, but next convention we were all together at, I sidled like up. Day of the Dead to Chicago. There you go. Yeah. Um, I sidled up to Barbie and um, <laughs> uh, 
um, made a proposition to her. And, and I um, couldn't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> she was stupid enough to say yes. Oh, um, I was thrilled, actually. So. Uh, so, so that was it, basically. I, I made the suggestion. And uh, so then going through um, ACX, which is the which I'm uh, part of and which is the link to Audible and iTunes and Amazon. Um, so I, I, I then had to record my record a sample, which is basically my audition to send to uh, uh, Barbie's editor at uh, Cheryl. At, yes, um, Redman at, Press. Right. Or Comet Press, as, as it was then. So, yeah. And but, she um, she accepted. I, I passed the audition, and um, and away we went. But uh, I, I'll give credit to Barbie here because there was there was there was obviously an immediate issue, not necessarily an insurmountable problem, but uh, an issue in that uh, uh, Michael is very much American mm-hmm. um, in in the novel. And we talked about this, and I, I actually recorded initially before we before we sent a sample to Cheryl. I recorded two test pieces for Barbie, one one in as me as you hear me now, and one with me uh, doing an American. And Barbie said she much preferred hearing my my natural voice. So Barbie took that issue on board and. Um, slightly changed the narrative to make allowances for Michael not to be English but having lived in England for a long period of time and having adopted partly uh, I think um, I don't know whether Barbie agrees with this but in my own mind partly self-consciously and deliberately had uh, adopted an English accent so it's interesting that there's kind of I guess two versions of the two slightly different, subtly different versions of the novel out there on the written page and in the audio book. Yes, and the the Kindle has to reflect the audio book. So what I did was go through, and there weren't that many tweaks to make. I think there was one little point when I think that you raised this, Doug, is that Americans always go, oh, what a charming accent you have to English people. And uh, so I stuck that in. And also um, uh, I decided that, you know, he he had spent his formative years in um, the gloriously named Potter's Bar. (laughs) And I remember Doug coming back going what in heaven's why in heaven's name did you choose bar it's the most boring place in the uk and i went exactly <laughs> having lived in a few boring places myself before i moved to london it was it just i don't even know if i've ever been to potter's bar i did a bit of research but um it just sounds so oh, i have you've but with all there. with no i haven't lived there i've been oh. there um, my uh, w- one of my um, one of my son's friends actually lived in Potter's Bar, so I went to Potter's Bar a few times. Um, uh, it's not quite at East Grinstead, but uh, you know, <laughs> with um, with with all due respect to those members of the audience listening to us in Potter's Bar and East Grinstead, what what wonderful, exciting places they are! Yes, um, 
Yeah, yes, it's, you don't I want mean, to get any complaints from people <laughs> living there, going, how dare you cast asparagus on our beautiful towns? You know. But um, um, no, that, it was yeah, just it's a little, fun. it's, I mean, for, for, for those not aware, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a what what would be known in England as a dormer town. It's um it's a it's a small town just north of London. I mean, literally, you drive north out of London, you cross the M25, which is the the circular motorway that kind of encloses Greater London. Literally, once you are you cross the M25, you're in Potter's Bar. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. It's a fairly unremarkable place, but you know, uh-huh. many places are. Yeah, it's not as bad as Slough. I could have chosen Slough. Come, lovely bombs, and fall on Slough. It is not <laughs> fit for humans now. John Betjeman. Oh God, he wrote a poem of. Oh my God. You you don't know that? No, I don't know it. Oh yes, when yes, Slough is an English new town. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, he got into a hell of a lot of trouble for that. that those, I can't remember the rest of it, but that's the, the opening lines of his ode to Slough. Come, lovely bombs, and fall on Slough. It is not fit for humans now. Well, I had the worst night of my life there. <laughs> 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 Which I will not go into debt. Oh, you know? good. And then going 10, yeah. years later, <laughs> 10 years later, I was going to a friend's funeral and our car broke down. And guess where we ended up? In Slough. And we had wow. to rent a car and drive to <laughs> Bristol. It was just, it was awful. It was like two horrible things has happened to me in Bristol. So, okay. uh, yeah. No, not in Bristol. No, not the... Slough. Right. Slough, Bristol. Slough. Anyway, which has nothing um, to do with Potter's Bar. Nothing is, to do, and is, nothing to do with the audible version of the Venus Complex. <laughs> very true. Very true. I was going to ask something that actually doesn't have anything to do with it either. But do you recommend any particular bar in London? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, I see. Well, yes. I don't. I, I don't know what the bar in Potter's Bar is, but it's not a drinking bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not. Uh, people shouldn't get the idea that. that, that <laughs> That this is a pub called Potter's Bar, owned by Mister Potter. Um, I see. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the name of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I do have a favourite. I'm I'm not a great habitué of bars, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I lived in London for thirty years, I um, I, I mostly um, went to went to my local pubs to watch uh, to to watch. Um, uh, Liverpool play football. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hope and Anchor in Crowdchand. I'll give a shout out to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, trying to remember the name of my favourite bar, but mm-hmm. I can't. It's in Pic- It's near, very near Piccadilly Circus, and you go down. It's in the basement. It's this huge <laughs> complex, and it's it is like it's like you're back in Hemingway's time. It is huge. And they have glasses that they call Nick and Nora martini glasses. And it used to be the Atlantic Bar and Grill. And now it's something else. Cafe, Cafe Zeiss or something like that. Um, wow. it's, it's fabulous. It's not cheap, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want a stylish evening. Yeah. Um, and if you, if, you, if you don't want to, there's, there's a lovely tiny little Spanish bar called Bradley's. Oh, um, in in a, it's a little curved street um, that 
runs around that, uh, right opposite where the Astoria used to be, a uh, much lamented music venue in central London. Uh, the the um, the the junction of uh, Tottenham Court Road and uh, and Oxford Street, a little little um, circular road runs back there, and there's a little Spanish bar called Bradley's. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, now, I've only been there a few days, but I really like ye old Cheshire cheese. Because when you oh. go downstairs, it's like carved. Right. It's like carved in, into like a, a cavern. Ooh. And Steph's uh, Steph's favorite is Bar Italia in Soho. But because she's a devotee of uh, pulp and all things Jarvis. Oh, uh-huh. oh of I like Soho. Of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, Barbie, when you hear uh, Doug, um, you know, um, narrate your story, does it uh, does it change how you view the character that you created to hear like uh, someone give it a voice, give him a voice? Well, it, it was an extraordinary experience. I mean, it's the, sort of the next step to the, you know, hopefully one day movie in that hearing somebody else interpret my words. Because of course, when I was editing and writing the book, um, my, I would read out the entries to my long suffering partner because you have to have an ideal reader, someone who you can, you know, you, you know, understands your stuff. And uh, my partner is that person. But of course I am, you know, a woman talking as if I'm a 40 year old or whatever, disaffected guy mm. and so it's always going to sound a bit you know I'll, <laughs> i may be a wonderful actress but i'm i'm not that good i'm not glenda jackson so um to hear you know doug do it in his inimitable fashion i think he did, has done a magnificent job and it was just really exciting and what i loved about his delivery as well and his interpretation was it really brought out the humor in the book you know, I mean, yes, it is a diary of a serial killer, but that doesn't mean they don't have a sense of humor. And um, <laughs> we, we, you know, <laughs> and I think that, okay, there were also really, you know, tough bits. Uh, of course, I'm familiar with them, but at the same time, you know, when he's detailing his murders and his, you know, his seductions of these women, it, it is, it's, um, but, you know, he, it, he just did such a wonderful job. And I have, you know, Doug, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you do have one of the best, you know, and everybody has mentioned this, how what a wonderful voice you have. And Why, um, thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. And, you know, I think he's done a wonderful interpretation. It was, it was great because for the first time I could step out of me, you know, because I created this guy, mm-hmm. you know, and I could listen to someone else saying my words. And it, it, was, it was wonderful. It was sort of revelation. Now, Neil, can I ask you a question? Sure. Because you've read the book, mm-hmm. and now you've listened to the audio book. I mm-hmm. mean, how? What do you feel? What do you? Yeah, it's really you... interesting because I, I love the book when I first read it, but then uh, when you listen to the audio book, it is a you notice things that you might not have noticed before. Kind of like actually, I do think what you said is correct about uh, uh, the humor is more there when you're uh, reading it when you're hearing it in someone's voice. Mm. And um, and the fact that it's written in the first person, so it's really, um, it's almost like act uh, voice acting because it's you know one person uh, doing the whole role. So it's it, it's really weird. That's a totally different uh, experience listening to the audiobook as it is to, to reading the book. Well, it, it certainly cha- changes the nature of it. We we actually had this discussion before we got going because um, 
obviously when you when you read it on the page you read it very much as uh as as it's presented as diary entries as a uh, a therapeutic journal mm-hmm. as as dr clueless has uh, has prescribed for for michael to do but it it struck me as soon as as soon as i started preparing it that spoken it becomes something very different and and i actually suggested to barbie at, at the beginning the possibility that these were actually tape recordings rather than a a written journal and we we played that idea um around a bit and then rejected it for various reasons but it 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 immediately changes the nature of of how you're hearing it because it becomes i think it becomes obviously much more of a confessional th- than than the idea of it being a written journal that you're mm-hmm. that you've come across and you're reading this is actually someone telling you Mm-hmm. this is how i this is how i felt and this is what happened this is how i murdered my I, are we doing spoilers i don't know well um, you know it just it just <laughs> occurred to me that we're all talking about the venus complex but people might not know about well there books. you go tell so us maybe, about the venus complex there we go. <laughs> yeah. well i'm sorry for interrupting you doug but i said hold on okay. a second when people are listening to it you know and they don't know what the book is about it's basically a diary of a serial killer, but it's more like it's a diary of a man who's been in a car accident that he caused because he was sick of life and very sick of his wife. And he, he survives and she dies. But he's got front, front temporal lobe damage, loss of impulse control, and he starts being plagued by nightmares, um, which are highly sexual in nature. And it, it just builds up. And then he sees this woman he becomes totally obsessed by her. And then he gets this, she's a forensic psychologist. So he gets this great idea of, wow, why don't I create a serial killer? And, you know, and, you know, maybe I can get involved because he's this art history expert and he creates these, you know, murders that have an art signature. And he thinks maybe he'll get invited into the investigation so he can sort of make a move on this, forensic psychologist babe that he's hot on um and it then goes on from there but then of course he gets rather into his little art project a bit too much and starts going hmm (laughs) i'm really enjoying this so it is a um what i wanted to do was rather than explore the violence was to explore the sexual mindscape of a serial killer Hmm. and to me which which she does yes (laughs) in in great detail very very (laughs) thoroughly dear reader um yeah uh, uh, and she is she is she is not ashamed to call a spade a fucking shovel either. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's my my inspiration in many ways about this because the book actually started out as following the forensic psychologist on this case, and I got so bored because I thought, hold on, this is like any other book about serial killers that I've ever read. You know, I've been fascinated about them by you know for for decades because i'm so not a serial killer you know i'm very empathic and i worry about Mm -hmm. what people are but you know i thought wow these people you know they're just so they live on the edge of society and pick people off like little sheep and it's fascinating and why don't i do it from the viewpoint of the male serial killer which is you know a bit of a leap for me but i found it actually quite liberating writing as a guy but also um my um a friend of mine who the book is 
partially dedicated to. Uh, she was a uh, one of the most notorious dominatrixes in New York, and she said one of her greatest sexual fantasies was to sleep with a serial killer. And I said to my, I said to her, Jesus, that's so sick. And then I had this dream that night, and I woke up and I thought I got to write it from the viewpoint of a serial killer. The dream was really thick, and it actually ended up in the book. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, the um, and sort of highly um, different, you know, uh-huh. book uh, kind of entry. But um, it's uh, you know, it just. And that was the beginning of it. So it is basically a journal of a man who decides to become a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, gotten pretty wonderful reviews con- considering its content. Mm-hmm. And um, so there you go, chaps. Yeah. If you're interested in serial killers, if you're interested in their sexual motivations, if you're interested in hearing, I think, wonderful <laughs> If I don't say so myself, wonderful rants about society and art and all these other things. Um, that's what the book's about. Mm-hmm. Good rants. She yes. writes. She writes a good rant. I, Definitely. <laughs> you know the one that's my one of my favorites um, is is I keep every time something comes up and we probably should should keep politics out of this, but there's a certain one that I'm. Um, uh, it's about, uh, you know, we'll soon end up as, you know, the way things are fracturing. Everything's going to end up we're living in city states. It'll be like that film, The Mask of the Red Death, where all the, the rich mm-hmm. people are up in the castle partying with Vincent Price. And, you know, it's but it seems like things seem to be fracturing and, and breaking apart now. And I, I use that that rant a lot. Uh, when every time I see something stupid, um, and I go, "What what are we doing to ourselves?" You know, this is a time when we should gather together rather than to split apart. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. and where do some of those rants come from? Like his worldviews? Are there things uh, that you like they that have one? Have nothing to. My, this, the, the, I have to point out the opinions of my serial killer sure. are <laughs> which, <laughs> have nothing to do with the opinions of the writer. Um, well, uh, to be honest, I would be watching the news and I would see something that I was so outraged by. And then I'd go in, start writing, and Michael would take over. And um, <laughs> so, someone once asked Brett Easton Ellis about when he was writing American Psycho. And he said he would lose time sometimes because he would get so immersed in the character. And in many ways, writing is a little bit like acting because you have to you create a character and then, you, you know, you don't, they don't take over, obviously, or I'd be running around killing people, but it's, it is this, um, you know, you have to get into their heads so much so you can write like them. But a lot of it was inspired by current news. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in the book about news itself that, you know, he uh, has like an addiction to watching the news and then, uh, <laughs> Which is interesting yeah. at a couple levels because it's uh, I kind of think it kind of feeds his uh, his want to be uh, someone important because he wants to see himself on the news. Well, not, not necessarily because most most serial killers really want to get away with it. Uh-huh. I think more of well, not necessarily is... see himself on the news, but he wants to be known. He wants to have a legacy. Yeah, well, his legacy would probably be sort of like Jack the Ripper's, is that no one ever really knew who Jack the Ripper was. But mm-hmm. I think most, you know, it's as um, 
as Edward Fox says in The Day of the Jackal, he said, I have to make sure I plan this assassination because I want to get away with it. And for me, that's a very important part of this job. <laughs> and I think getting away with it is often, you know, very important. But um, I, I think which, is, which as far as uh, uh, no, sorry, I I'm, I was about to give another spoiler. Are, are we not doing spoilers? Oh, we can do a little few. Yeah. Right. Well, I was just going to say, to all intents and purposes, um, uh, although it appears to be an ongoing story, uh, Michael has got away with it. Yes. And to be honest, I am, you know, at some point I do have the, you know, the bare bones of a sequel, which I must get my my butt down and start writing. But um, um, I'm writing this sort of weird ghost story at the moment. So that's uh, and also I have to finish my script for Zulu Zombies. My, my hammer horror movie that I want to do. I want them to produce it, but they don't know about it yet. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, he does, because most serial killers do get away with that, although they're getting caught more and more now because of, um, of DNA, uh, wow. you know, profiling and stuff, as we know, um, and people uploading their DNA. Genealogy to- websites, yeah. And, yes. and then the police can just use it. I just think it's so brilliant. Whoa. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. It? Well, it's, hey, um, they, caught, they caught that side. The, the, the Golden State Killer. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But uh, but you, I mean, it's like every every other day you're hearing an, uh, uh, another murder case from like 26 years ago that suddenly cold case solved because of DNA. Yeah. Uh, well, isn't that how they got the Green River Killer as well? I think uh, they finally I, got him right. because of that. Oh, he's of course he he was the one who was caught in Spokane. I actually mentioned him in the book. Actually, anyway, as far is as he the way he, he, he was he the guy who was sitting in his car eating a sandwich? No, 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 no. That was uh, <laughs> what is it about serial killers and eating sandwiches? <laughs> there were two of those. <laughs> so you got to read the book, guys. Um, uh, no, there was one Arthur Shawcross. He was Rochester. Yes, he was yes, eating, he was yes. eating a sandwich. <laughs> yes. And then there were the two. There was the, the couple that killed people. I can't remember their names. Yes, Michael, my my hero, oh, anti-hero, my serial killer, Professor Michael Friday took real umbrage at that because they were so stupid because they left all these clues. But because they went from state to state, you know, it's it is difficult to to. Um, track these people down because everybody has their own little um, police force. And, and of course the police have hate handing things over to the FBI because they want it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think the whole the, getting back to the thing with news with Michael, it more, it feeds his misanthropy, mm-hmm. you know, his, his kind of not loathing of the human race, but when he looks at how, moronic the human race is it makes him feel better about himself i i think also some thing that that came through to me very much um is it 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 all demonstrates his disconnection Mm -hmm. um so Mm -hmm. so as with with uh watching the news obsessively he's watching the world in the goldfish bowl of his television um to to a large extent, I I had the feeling that that's also how he views the world outside, and it's um I, I think one of one of 
the really clever things that Barbie has done here is although she establishes early on that Michael is to a greater or lesser extent uh, brain damaged, um, he is he he remains fully cognitively intact. I mean, he's intellectually not impaired, but emotionally, empathetically shot to hell. Um, and 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 what's very clever is that he at the be- at the beginning of the novel he's not a serial killer watching the news obsessively he watches the news obsessively he makes he makes a conscious decision to be a serial killer he makes a conscious decision to construct um a serial killer and he takes it on board at, at, as a good academic because I, I don't know whether we've mentioned that he is a professor of fine art so barbie makes him go and do what a good academic would do which is do his research so off he goes and and researches uh, serial killers to understand how they work and specifically for him to find out where they went wrong what were their mistakes that he won't repeat mm-hmm. yeah. yes i think i think that was the the I was talking to some friends. They they actually they they were from Detroit, and one of them was a minister, and they were in London at the time of the Shipman um, mm. case that came up. This was a GP who murdered his patients to get their money from their will. Possibly very- hundreds. I mean, I don't think don't think they'll ever know exactly how many he killed, but possibly running into the hundreds. Yes, but I said, you know, he he really kept it together for so long, yes. and then he kind of lost focus, and the minister burst out laughing to say he, you know, because it seemed incongruous to him. He said, because you're obviously talking from the viewpoint of someone who's absolutely fascinated by this guy, but you know, he lost focus. <laughs> that's how he got caught, you know. But of course, that's what happened to Ted Bundy. He started mm-hmm. leaving evidence behind as you know you know michael mentions when he's doing his research because ted bundy we they, we still don't know how many women he murdered uh but he did sort of he went from sort of a psychopath to psychotic when he went to florida because he he just became a berserk almost um killer instead of a you know a serial killer and he was he was just Losing focus, okay. not keeping his eye on the, you know, um, mm-hmm. not being concentrated enough. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes this kind of thing does perhaps drive you. Well, they're obviously maybe mad, but it it's, you know, yes. that's the thing. Um, yes. Um, the, 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 one of the phrases that I, I really, I mean, the first book I ever read, which was The Order of the Assassin by Colin Wilson. And that's mm-hmm. when I first learned about serial killers and it was something that colin wilson said is that he made the decision to be out of control and i I really liked that that um um sentence because it it, it's yeah i'm going to be out of control but i've made the decision to be out of control and uh, that's kind of what michael does because Mm -hmm. his life is as you said he's he's so disconnected from the human race it's not necessarily from reality but um, he, he mm. can't get any emotional connections anymore mm-hmm. the, uh, the fact that there's really no you call it an anti-hero there's like no uh hero to 
kind of root for in the when you're writing it do you ever think do you ever think about that like uh how do uh how do i make this so people still you know want to read about someone who isn't a good guy it's difficult i mean that's why in the thing is I suppose because I created him, I'm forced to like him, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend of mine who slightly despises me for having written this book. Mm-hmm. She said, how could you write such a misogynistic book? And I said, it's not misogynistic. He hates everybody. You know, I, he, 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 he's an equal opportunity hater and despiser. And so just because he happens to kill women doesn't mean he wouldn't sort of think, oh, I don't like you. You know, I'm good. actually, he does kill a couple, well one guy um the the thing is is that it it it's just the criminal mind is something that just fascinates me because i always wondered why why do these people do these things why did ted bundy go from being a young republican to a serial killer actually i suppose that isn't much of a leap (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, only kidding guys uh the um the thing is is that uh I don't know. It's strange because I, I, a friend of mine said, oh, I couldn't possibly read your book because it's from the viewpoint of the serial killer. I need someone to root for. And I thought that was interesting. Well, but- people make strange decisions like that, don't they? I mean, it's not a, that's weird. That's not yes. a, it's not an I issue that would, would have across my mind. But, you know, it's interesting because no. I think if you're a horror fan, you often see the people you're rooting for get wiped out spectacularly. I mean, yeah. that's, I must admit, that's what pisses me off a lot about some horror movies because I, I think it's, it's unfair. It's like drag me to hell. That poor girl went through hell and she fulfilled all the conditions and she still got dragged to hell. That's not fair, <laughs> she screamed. Um, so I'm very, very, um, what's the word, uh, very fussy about the kind of horror movies that I watch because I think it's, it's you know, because not this necessary thing, that, but I think that there is a lot to like about Michael. There's a lot to be, or perhaps maybe the word is a lot to be fascinated about. You know, I, w- I would use that word. I, d- I don't think there's much to like about him. <laughs> um, uh, but Hey, I created him. I have to like him. You know hey, I, I read him I, <laughs> um, and edited him. Uh, which was which was much harder work, I have yeah. to say. Some of the because uh, uh, I I I did all the editing and the 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 reading is easy, goes by quite quickly. The editing is a chore and takes time. And uh, with with some of the chapters, some of the longer chapters, um, I think the the a, a couple of the the first uh, seductions and killings. Um, uh, I felt like I was trapped inside them for days, and you, um, you, obviously, when when you're editing, you, you're you're going back and back and back and, and over things and changing things, re-recording a couple of things here, um, and at those points in the editing, this stuff did start to get into my head, um, uh, be, because as I've I, I've said, um, you know, Barbie doesn't hold back on either the sexual detail um, or the killing detail. Um, and I, in, in, a, in a couple of those chapters while I was doing the editing, I did begin to feel kind of infected by, by Michael because I couldn't get away from it. I had to keep 
going back to it um, again and again and again. But it's um, it's it it's an it's an interesting aspect again, and part of what drew me to it. Um, because I, I, mean, I like to keep talking about you in the third person, Barbie. <laughs> like you're not here. the author um, uh, explores the sexual side of things in great detail, and because Michael prepares his entrapment and seduction, and dis- and so we have a lot of descriptions of the girls and their lives, um, and him setting up his meetings and meeting and. Uh, hooking up and the seduction and the sex, there is inevitably in 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 that a, a sexual content, an erotic content that nudges into pornographic content in the way that Barbie presents it absolutely unblushingly mm-hmm. in full detail of what's going on. And what 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 attracted me to that was it, it's almost inviting you to be aroused by what you're reading. Mm-hmm. And then you then you get the, the payoff, the denouement, uh, which is, well, ought not to be. If, if you find any of that arousing, consult a psychiatrist immediately. Um, uh, um, make a schedule here. <laughs> but it, but it, it, what, what, what intrigued me was that, of course, it's the denouement is the only thing that Michael's interested in. The the, um, the the girls and their lives are entirely incidental to him. Um, the, the 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 sexuality and the act of 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 the the sexual union between Michael and and the the, the girls is entirely incidental to him. It's all a process to lead to the killing, and then the thing that he's ultimately really interested in, which is his arrangement of 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 the corpses. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know whether the, whether the author <laughs> agrees with me on that, but that was that was my feeling of, of what part of what intrigued me about the processes of 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 what of what you were presenting on the page. Well, I mean, obviously, this is his you know creating these sort of canvases, if you like to intrigue the forensic psychologist is one of them. But I think I mean, he was starting to get into his project a bit too much too. Uh, but then, of course, it had to get, um, uh, well, we don't want to say too much, but, um, you know, cut short. And then he has a disastrous episode with um, Gertrude in Rochester, <laughs> yes. which I, you can't tell me you didn't find that was funny. Um, <laughs> well, of course I did. I hope I made it funny. <laughs> you did, you did. Um, but you know, it is. Um, um, this is what happens when you deviate from the plan. Um, no, but it. I, I mean, like I'm saying, all the books I'd read before, you know, I've read. You know, life like Seth had read a lot of uh, nonfiction stuff uh, about serial killers and you know, my fair share of, of great novels about serial killers. But I'd always wondered, you can't tell me that these pe- guys don't think about sex. And they are mostly guys, you know. And But what are their sexual thoughts? And I, I re- actually read this rather unpleasant book called Lust Mord, uh, 
which were the writings of serial killers. And, um, you know, there's some pretty disturbing stuff in there. But it just, it just didn't see, I thought, we always think about the violence, you know, but there is some sort of sexual sort of motivations in here. And, you know, I think one review said, which I thought was quite wonderful, said, I want to know how Barbie Wilde found out our secrets, speaking as a guy, because I do write from the viewpoint of a man. And, um, you know, I think that some women are probably maybe disturbed or, you know, the fact that, that there are some men out there who regard women in a certain way. And um, unfortunately, a lot of it is, you know, um, I don't know if I'm putting my, putting it the right way. I'm not saying all men want to be serial killers. But what is that wonderful thing that, oh, Margaret Atwood said, men are afraid that women are, will laugh at them and women are afraid that men will kill them. Do you remember? Have you heard that one? I have not. Um, I have not. <laughs> I think I'm this not, was. I'm, a... I'm not sure I agree with it, but I would need time with that. To, yeah, I think this is uh, more in reference to the big TV show that's been out based on her book, The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, she wrote that. But I mean, you know, this is you know, sometimes, you know, a fear that you know women do have you know it's, it is something that i'm not saying that all men but isn't it all but stuff, but, but yeah. okay we'll we'll wander into all kinds of territories here but <laughs> but isn't it also uh, a latent desire not to be killed but um the 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 sexual act even even at its you know most loving and consensual at its most passionate is also a violent and often aggressive act, consensually aggressive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know what the French call an orgasm? Uh, the little death, isn't it? Yeah, le, le petit mort. Le, le petit mort, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very interesting. No, there's, you mm-hmm. know, there's surrender, perhaps on both sides or whatever. Yes, it's, it's, yes. There's, you know, it's just all, but see, this is all fascinating to me. And then people get all kind of, oh, well, you know, this, why does all your stories... You know, except for the one about the polyp. <laughs> Why do all your stories seem to have be about sex? I don't know. But let's face it, sex is part and parcel of being human. You know, and, and it's only the Anglo-Saxon world that's so uptight about it. I mean, for years, I thought this was very funny. And there's a wonderful book called The Naked Ape by Des- Desmond Morris. Mm-hmm. And he said for centuries, humans always said that um, the largest member of primate primates was um, found in gorillas. No, that's incorrect. Human beings, human males, have the largest. Uh, Neil, what is the? Can we say words that are not? Yeah, you say anything you like. Though, okay, sure largest. Um, oh, penis. Thank you, darling. <laughs> I believe that's the word. Six prigs, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, but all we'll those things were so Schlong. Schlong. <laughs> um, is it basically, isn't that hilarious? For centuries, man has said, oh, that honor belongs to gorillas. No, actually, take it and wear it proudly. You know, human beings have that, you know. I thought, but, I thought dolphins and whales had like, you know, enormous. Well, I um, think said primates. I said primates. Yeah. Pri- oh, the, the, the okay. AP people. Okay. <laughs> AP people. AP, AP people. Okay. All right. 
I didn't know that. Did, did Desmond Morris go around personally and measure the penis of he every simian? Because he's a zoologist. Okay. But you know, well, no, I'm saying that he did it personally. But I think <laughs> enough people have probably done it. Uh-huh. The Masters and Johnsons of the gorilla world. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, you know, I was raised very, you know, my mother was a lapsed Catholic. And uh, I'll never forget her seeing the title of that book and being horrified at the very concept of how anyone could call a human being a naked ape. She found it absolutely, um, you know, beyond insulting and horrible. You know? And uh, if you read the book, it's a wonderful book. But, um, you know, I, I sort of don't look at things like this. But, you know, I, again, I just say it's, it's I think especially women and, you know, I'm not saying, you know, as a woman author, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is that why not explore these subjects? Why are we so coy about it in the Anglo-Saxon world? I actually don't think, you know, the French would, you know, blink at this kind of thing, especially, oh my God, the Scanders, you know. Um, who've been churning out some wonderful sort of dark, um, disturbing noir thrillers for the last few years, you know, who would have a problem with it. But the Anglo-Saxon world does. And I find that fascinating. And I I just think, why shouldn't I um, write like this mm-hmm. and say these, you know, come up with these, you know, motivations for a character? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the book, you know, Michael uh, talks a lot about uh, giving the women that he's killing orgasms. And I think it's uh, maybe you can say why you put that in there. But it's to me, it's more about uh, about, you know, uh, the power that he that he has of actually, you know, uh, doing this uh, to them while even while he's killing them. Not necessarily for their pleasure, but his own, you know, his own ego. Well, as he says in the book, it's, to him, it was this, this wonderful conundrum. Can I kill her and give her an orgasm at the same time? <laughs> right? <laughs> now, some, you know, as we know, I mean, maybe you don't know that sometimes, um, yeah. you know, certain strangulation can heighten erotic response, which is why people, you know, we've seen evidence mm-hmm. of, of people, you know, accidentally hanging themselves mm-hmm. to death. To you know, because they were trying to achieve some sort of sexual high, but you know, I think we could. It depends on your point of view, whether you think Michael is just kidding himself, or you know, it's part of his amazing prowess as a lover. Wow, I can do this, and at the same time, they're coming and going at the same time. Um, That sort of thing. I mean, and I think it. I I think it is that, and I think it is power and control, and. Uh, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that uh, uh, Michael tells us often that uh, his best sex is with these girls after their death, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate power and control. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, yes. Uh, That's another theme that I keep coming back to is the whole necrophilia thing which is <laughs> not that actually no is only in this and in um this screenplay i'm working on called blue eyes but it's not necrophilia really um as we know it jim but it's that is you know my reading about serial killers is that they often do um you know revisit the i mean ted bundy used to go back to his killing ground and revisit the corpses of his victims. Um, so, 
it is a, you know, I, uh, basically what I've, I've tried to do is be realistic as possible as far as serial killers are concerned. And Dennis Nielsen, of course, who who would not allow his his uh, his victims to leave him. It was his his motivation for killing them was that they wouldn't leave him. Um, uh, Wasn't and, uh, he the one caught by the, the his unfortunate plumbing problems? Yes, they uh, the, the neighbors <laughs> thought there was um, KFC stuck in the drains, and Oops. Dynarod came round to unblock the drains. And uh, when they when they fished out uh, uh, what was down there, they sort of said, "Here, hang on a mo, Bert. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think this is chicken." Um, and uh, when they, of course, when they went into Nielsen's flat, there were lots of people. I mean, he had got overwhelmed. He couldn't deal with the number of bodies he had. They were under floorboards. He had uh, heads cooking in pans dissolving in baths. I mean, he had, he had got completely overwhelmed by his own killing machine. But, uh, I mean, I, I would recommend uh, Brian Master's wonderful book about Nielsen called Killing for Killing Company. Killing for Company. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, and that, the, the wonderful moment that always stays in my head is that when, when they arrested him, and they, they took him down from his flat in Muswell Hill, just up the road from where I used to live in London, uh, and in fact was living just down the road from from where he lived in London when he was arrested, uh, and the, the whole story came tumbling out. Um, the policeman, t- I, I forget the precise number, but the policeman said, so, so I, how many are we talking about then, Dennis? Two or three? And unblinkingly, Nielsen said 15 or whatever the number was. I, I don't remember now, but it was a it was a considerable number which completely, you know, uh, um, uh, pulled the the uh, the detective up short because he was assuming that we were talking about a couple of murders, not not in the teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's just, I think that, that there's always a shock when you discover this mild-mannered guy. I mean, you know, it, it's always the same. They did the same for um, uh, Son of Sam. Or they seem like such a nice boy. You know, he came over to fix my bookshelf. You know, but, you know, they just seem regular people, but their inner lives are just, you know. And, and, the quiet and, ones. Always, always be wary of the quiet ones. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was voted it, most quiet in my high school yearbook. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Late, latent serial killer, quite clearly. <laughs> Actually, I was really quiet when I was I was a, a kid. I was um, a complete ghost in, in school until I, I moved when I was 17, and I thought, I've got to recreate myself. I'm going to die of boredom in high school. So, um, you know, but uh, quiet rev- rivers run but um had either either of you ever been to the museum of uh, i think it's the museum of death in um in hollywood i think there's also one in new yeah yes. and it, the the first room's my favorite is it's all the artwork of uh, the, the different serial killers mm. and um there's one uh, cuz you're talking about you know, um about uh about sex and stuff and there's one that's uh i forget the serial killer but he made like a weather vane and it's like all these rooms, and e- each one's like a different sexual position. 
and uh and it actually you know it's moving parts and he made it over like years because he had to steal little pieces of scrap metal to put it together and and that's what he decided to make but it's uh that whole room is very interesting well Hmm. no i i've never been i'd I'd love to go i haven't even been isn't doesn't scotland yard have something similar Uh, the black museum i think they call it do they yeah Yeah. do you Um, have to be invited though do you have to get invited i I'm not absolutely certain. I think you do, but I'm not not entirely sure about that. Or maybe it's by appointment only. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, also, I might have somebody who's got in in there. I should yeah. <laughs> see what can... yeah. because you I, also you know, I just sandwiches. Like... I'm sorry. Go on. Oh yes, yeah, some some sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just you know I, I was lucky enough to actually interview a homicide detective in the Manhattan North. Um, homicide division, which is basically Harlem, who had just finished a serial killer case. Um, but he, this serial killer was dumber than a sack of hair. I mean, he just got caught after two or three murders, really, because he was just leaving clues everywhere. Um, but you see, so the whole spectrum of human intelligence is reflected in serial killers as well as the human population. You have your super smart ones, who take years or maybe never get caught, and then you get you know your fair amount of dumb ones who get caught very quickly. But um, no, I, I would love to to see the art of. I mean, okay, guys, um, Doug, you would probably know this because um, I can even see the actor who played him, Brian du- Brian oh, Dennehy, played him in the movie. He's serial killer, Rochester, New York, I believe. And he painted clowns, and he used to dress up as a clown to, to entertain oh, kids. At the, Gacy. Oh, mm, yeah. yeah, yes, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. yeah. Was it was it Rochester, New York, or was it someplace else? Uh, where, 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 where was where was Gacy's killing field? Where yeah. Did, uh, mm? Don't know. Say say again. Chicago. Chicago. I'm being told off screen. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Of course. No, it's Arthur Shawcross who was in Rochester. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, his artwork, I mean, he actually gave one of his paintings to, um, was it Robert Ressler or one of the, the guys who was, uh, who went to uh, talk to him, you know, from the FBI. Yes. And um, he sort of went, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, I find it fascinating because you, you know, it's, it's one of the things that is slightly unbelievable to me is, you know, the Hannibal series. And I love the movies and I love the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he, he takes such enjoyment from music. And um, having read a few books about psych, psychopathy, psychopaths obviously can't, sometimes cannot relate to music. They don't get any emotional thing from it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that, that serial killers that do express themselves through art is very interesting to me. Because, I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be an emotional thing when you paint a painting of yourself as glam. But, um, of course, it could be an ego thing. But it would be, I'd love to see the artwork of, uh, of serial yeah. colors. There was, I, when I was talking about the sandwiches, there's one, and it's not done well or anything, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like a comic strip from the Son of Sam that's in the Museum of Death. And it's how to, how to catch a fat lady. And it's like, he goes and like makes a meatball sub and then like tempts a woman uh, with this meatball sub. And then 
it's terrible to laugh at because it's awful, but it, it still made me laugh at the same time. But it's weird that, the, you know, you're uh, seeing this comic strip that the serial killer made and he's got little smiley faces on the meatballs. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Does he kill the fat lady? In the in the comic strip, yes. Yeah. Oh, he probably didn't know. That's interesting because he was sort of his his speciality was killing courting couples. Mm. So, but maybe his, the fat lady represented his mother. Yeah. I just watched my favorite serious horror movie actually um, recently. Well, just a couple of days ago. Um, first, I watched a film called Hitch, which is about the making of Psycho, starring Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scarlett Johansson is is uncanny as um, Janet Lee. And then I watch Psycho, and I still say that that's one of my favorite serial killer films because it you know every time I watch it I see new things about it. Um, and they're eating sandwiches in that film. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh... so we can have a whole sandwich kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah, I actually I live in there. Sandwich. That's the name of the town I live in. Oh no! There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> and so of course, the Earl of Com- Sandwich it, invented sandwiches. Yeah, that's actually who it's named after. But uh, <laughs> we should uh, we should um, open a open a sandwich bar somewhere with all, <laughs> all like the sam- all the sandwiches named after serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea. People oh, can send the Bundy uh, burgers. We could have a Bundy burger. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's about it for me. Bundy Burger. Uh-huh. No, no, I don't think we'd get a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be surprised, to be honest. Uh. Well, I think, you know, I mean, one of the things I do mention, and I hope the American audience out there understands, is that there does seem to be a, an a extolling of violence, you know, the the. Fa- fabulous old west our fabulous heritage and people were shooting each other with you know and all this sort of stuff i mean violence is kind of a, you know i don't know if it's a uh, i think as we all are interested in it i mean i like going to see violent action movies so i, I should you know just because i'm canadian doesn't mean that i um except canadians are the nicest people on the planet of course um is that that you know there is this fascination with violence and serial killers, you know, everywhere, really, when it comes down to it. Um, but when I was, there's a wonderful book called Homicide Detection uh, by Vernus Gerbreth, which I read. And he said the difference between detection of serial killers in America versus virtually everywhere else is that every time you go in and see a dead body, you assume it's a murder until things are proven otherwise. And um, in Germany, this, this, this person was found dead. And the, the coroner came in and said, oh, it's obviously a heart attack. And they were putting, you know, I'm, I'm saying this is like a heart attack. And they were putting the body up on a stretcher and a knife fell out of its back. You know, that's just, <laughs> you know, the difference is, you know, the, the, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the kind of realism mm-hmm. about the American criminal things that happen. But um, always assume it's the murder until proven otherwise i don't know why i'm saying this story but um <laughs> well, let's get uh, back to Ven- talking sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> well so the venus complex you get on audible.com uh and amazon which uh, i'm a member of audible.com anyway i'm a fan of audiobooks and uh, 
I, uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, blue eyes. So when, when do you, when do you see that coming out? Well, we've had a bit of a blip in the production. We, we almost got some funding last year. So this is kind of, it's, it's a sort of a, uh, what do you call it? Fever dream of a movie. It's basically, have you seen the movie under the skin with Scarlett Johansson? I'm not sure. It sounds it's a wonder. It's, it's a very interesting film. It's a horror movie, sort of fantasy sci-fi horror movie. And then just think under the skin meets a Bukowski's Barfly. Uh-huh. And you've got blue eyes. So it's, it is a, um, and I'm co-writing with um, Fang- uh, former editor-in-chief of Fangoria, Chris Alexander, who's directing it, co-writing it, doing this, the, um, the music. He's a very talented composer. And we've got it pretty much cast. We're just searching for funding. And, you know, in the way of all independent things, you know, certain things have fallen through. But we're going to go ahead with it regardless. So that's exciting. And I've got a few other little writing things. I've got a new uh, story out called Patient K, which is a um, it's a story about a ocularist, which is a man who not only he is a um, it's a, a woman who has a prosthetic eye, goes to this guy to get a new prosthetic eye. And it turns out he's a sexual pervert. Surprise, surprise, it's a wild story. Uh-huh. And it's available on its own through Domain Publishing on Amazons, all the Amazons. So you can download it for a tiny sum and read my disgusting little story, um, you know, as a Kindle. That's out now. And I also have my short horror story collection called Voices of the Damned, which contains three female Cenobite stories in it. And of course, there's a Venus complex as paperback and Audible, narrated by fabulous Doug Bradley. Yes, uh, I have to ask Doug uh, how how did you get uh, enter into Black Craft Wrestling as the future? Oh, uh, um, uh, came came out of a clear blue sky. Um, uh, I, I had been um, aware of Black Craft for a long time. I mean, the relationship with Black Craft was really um, nurtured in the in the first place by. Um, by Steph, my partner, um, and uh, uh, we had done some crossover shirts. We had we had uh, got to know uh, um, Bobby at Blackcraft uh, very well. He basically contacted us and said, uh, "I've got an idea. I want to launch Blackcraft Wrestling, and I want Doug to be involved." And so it was as simple as that. Uh, in the in the first instance, um, and. For for me, it was um, you know I've always said part of the part of the fun and the horror of being an actor is uh, that if you if you uh, uh, after each job if you sit down and make a list of what you think you might be doing next, if you you know if you wrote down a hundred things, the thing you actually wind up doing next is the hundred and first that you would never have thought of, and uh, um, uh, wrestling. Um, would certainly have been it for me, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh, here I am, and it's um, it's tremendously exciting, and I'm having a, a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I uh, seen some of the promos on, on online. I thought they were fantastic. Next um, next live gig coming up in Jersey City um, at the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, growing up in England, did you watch wrestling at all? Like Big Daddy? Well, uh, well, I can I can go back before uh, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. Uh, yeah, in the in the nineteen sixties, when there used to be uh, the, uh, every Saturday afternoon, there were there was a sports pro program on which ran all afternoon um, on both the BBC and uh, ITV, and um, uh, w- one of the first things they showed was was uh, professional wrestling, um, and the commentator's name was Kent Walton, and he always introduced uh, welcome people um, uh, um, uh, as uh, did the audience as grappling fans. Welcome, grappling fans, he would say, um, and uh, there was no showbiz to it in you know in the way that we're used to now with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it was it was men in speedos basically. There was, but it, it it wasn't so different. There was there was the bad guy who was called Mick McManus, um, and uh, I remember Billy Two Rivers who probably lived in Peckham and was called Fred, but uh, he <laughs> he 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 sported genuinely the the, the first Mohican I'd seen outside of the movies. A uh, ha- ha- Mohican haircut, uh-huh. and he was supposedly, you know, um, uh, n- uh, Native American, um, and I'm sure he wasn't. And uh, and a guy who really fascinated me was called Jackie Palo, who was bringing showbiz elements in because he had like a cloak, and uh, dyed blonde, quite long dyed blonde hair, and he used to do ballet exercises in the ring as his warm up. Uh, using using the ropes as his as his bar and a lot of his moves he executed like a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I was always kind of intrigued by him. And I, I remember watching that stuff. I could never have identified myself as a fan. Mm-hmm. And then when it when it got its revival later with, in the in the Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks era, I kind of ignored it. And then my kids, in the particularly my son in the 1990s, got very into into wrestling. So this would be, I, I guess, around the um, uh, Stone Cold Steve, Steve Austin, Austin yeah. period. Um, uh, he got really he had his his uh, wrestling figures and his and his wrestling ring. He got really into it. So I I watched a bit of it then, but still would never have called myself a fan. To be honest, I. I guess I kind of fell into the lazy trap of sneering at it because it was fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it is to some extent um, uh, because we, we know they're not hitting each other in the face all the time or kicking each other in the, in the kidneys when they're on the floor and the, the results are pre-decided. We know all that. But having been up close and personal now, to a lot of sweaty men in speedos. Um, uh, for the rest of uh, them, that's not like your personal life. For, well, um, <laughs> I, yes. Um, uh, uh, fake is certainly not what it is. I mean, we uh, the, the first live show we did, which was here in Pittsburgh, I, uh, I, I did my kind of introduction piece. And then the first, the first bout, which I stayed... In, in on my throne, as it were, to watch, 
uh, and then interact with 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 the, the the winner of the bout when it was over, which was a ladder match, was quite extraordinary. I mean, it was quite insane. And once you've watched, um, you know, one two hundred and fifty pound man pick up another two hundred and fifty pound man and throw him across the ring so that he lands on his back on what is a real pair of step ladders. Okay. Uh, you know, there is nothing fake about this. And the, the conclusion of this bout was that there was, the idea was there was a chalice hanging over the ring and the, the winner of the bout would be the first one to climb up his step ladder and claim the chalice. Um, the guy who, who won it took the chalice down. It was in like a, like a clear plastic box. He decided, for reasons best known to himself, that this was a breakaway box. So he got hold of it in one hand and smashed it against his head. Mm -hmm. um, and indeed, the box did break away, but it wasn't designed to. Um, uh, so he got the chalice, but he also cut his head open in the, in the process. Um, and I then find myself standing in the midst of the carnage of this ring, um, confronted by this guy. And I had this kind of split-screen moment where I'm, I'm thinking, well, this is very familiar. I'm, this is like being on set. I'm standing in front of a guy <laughs> with, with blood pouring down his, his, uh -huh. his face and down his torso. Except this is real. He's actually <laughs> bleeding in, right. in, 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 in front of me. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I now proudly wear my black craft shirt that declares on the back, God is fake, wrestling is real, um, and it absolutely is. I mean, it's, it is it is pretty amazing, I think. It is kind of a mixture of vaudeville and uh, theater and pantomime uh, and um, uh, dance and thuggery and comedy. Uh, it's, it is an extraordinary mixture of stuff. Um, so I have, a, I have a whole newfound respect for it now that I'm, I've become kind of part of the world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because a, a young friend of mine who I've known since she was a nipper, um, it, Miss Lexi Rose, her name is, and she is doing her first wrestling match this coming Friday, I believe. Ah. Oh, wow. And she's been posting pictures of her self-training mm. and little videos of her working with this trainer. And I have to say, you know, um, she looks magnificent. I mean, she's actually, um, you know, she has uh, her job is, you know, she's in, you know, um, the production end of, um, you know, showbiz. But, you know, this is her, you know, and I, I think it's an interesting choice for her to make. But obviously she's she's she looks great and she's, you know, feeling empowered doing it. I think there was a wonderful TV show. Wasn't it called Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling or something? Right. Yeah, they and, just made uh, a, a Netflix uh, yes, a fiction yes, we series. Yes, watched some it. episodes. I loved it. I thought it was quite interesting. But it is, you know, seeing women going into wrestling is is it wasn't a phenomenon that I was familiar with when I was watching it when I was a kid. But of course, now it's very big, women mm. wrestlers. Yes, but uh, it's yeah. uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. For people who don't know, I do a weekly uh, wrestling podcast and interview <sighs> many uh, wrestlers. Oh, I've, I've been a life uh, in your head. So it's in okay. your head and without your head. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So you should it's go along name. to Joy Z City. I would love to. Honestly, the first time I heard about uh, about Doug being in wrestling was a caller on my wrestling show called in and um, said that he met uh, Doug at a at a convention and he had uh, some of the wrestling stuff there. And so he called. It was like right after he was there, he called in the show to tell us. And I was like, wow, that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. I went and bought myself up for preacher T-shirt. Good. Good. Yay. Good man. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. So uh where where can you follow you guys on uh on the internet? Um my website dougbradley.com and I'm I'm on Facebook. I don't do Facebook, but there's a fan Facebook mm-hmm. page and uh I'm on Instagram. Um I don't twit. Uh-huh. I have a I have a Twitter account um, simply because somebody was running a fake Twitter account. Um, so uh, uh, we created a Twitter account for me just to stop that happening, but I don't yeah. use it. Um, I've never done Facebook personally. I steer clear of all of that crap. So, but um, uh, but but um, I I I. I mean, I, I post on my Facebook page, uh, and uh, um, uh, we we post news of stuff coming up, um, uh, which will of course include this. Is is this going out live tonight? Yeah, it'll be on tonight on the uh, at eight eight o'clock Eastern, well, which I is put, which I is put... a curious experience for people who are listening to this live. Yes, as I am. <laughs> Not live, asking whether this is going out live. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I actually wrote down the, the time cue. I was going to edit it out. But now since you said it that way, I think I'll just leave it in. I think it'll be entertaining. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I, got, I tried to tag you, Doug, actually, because I put up a little movie. Yeah, I was very really impressed by that. Yeah. A little what? A, a little movie of, of the, um, the wonderful oh, movie. poster that, that Neil has um, um designed but i couldn't sort of get find you i sort of put at doug bradley but it didn't that should tag your page but it didn't but i could sort of put post it on it what for instagram no no, for for facebook okay Um, also i i think i did did tag you on instagram but i'll go back and do that um oh this is you know Actually, we're talking technical stuff here. You can find me at Barbie Wild. I am shamelessly self-promoting on Facebook uh-huh. and Twitter and Instagram. Um, Instagram, I guess, is still Barbie Wild. And uh, Facebook is Barbie.Wild, Barbie Wild author, actress, The Venus Complex by Barbie Wild, Voices of the Damned, and Blue Eyes, the horror movie. So those yeah. are my presences, presence I, on, uh-huh. on uh, Facebook. Yeah, and also barbiewild.com right for people who have seen Barbie Wild in person at a convention and they see that amazing banner behind her I designed that he designed that that, and he designed the wonderful banner that's on my Facebook banner thing cover thing hello (laughs) what is that your cover art Uh, yeah I I never know know the the name of that either I know the the display picture is your main picture yeah, the the cover photo, the cover photo. Yes, Neil is a very talented designer of banners, and I've used Thanks. him for years now. Thank you, Neil. You're welcome. And um, um, yes, so yeah. also uh, Doug and I will be attending a convention at the end of April called. Uh, is that my cue? Sorry, oh, yes. uh, <laughs> Motor Motor City Nightmares in Yay! Motor City. 
Detroit. Detroit. I haven't been in Detroit in decades. I've never been in Detroit. Might have to well, check this out. It's actually just outside. It's not in Detroit itself. It's a <laughs> suburb of somewhere. Uh, I forget uh, what it's called. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah, usually... we will be there. So you uh-huh. can come and uh-huh. ask us about the... Um... Actually, you know, the, one of the things that I called this a very sexy moment. When we were at Days of the Dead, I was telling this person who'd come to my table about the audiobook of the Venus Complex. And she said, oh, I have an Audible account. And she went and she downloaded it on her phone as I was sitting there. And I thought that was really sexy. But <laughs> is that just because I'm sort of... <laughs> <laughs> right. And I said, wow, this is so immediate. I love technology. <laughs> so. well, that is pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. instantly someone can uh, go and get this. And so that's what I'm saying, fans. Yeah. <laughs> you then, too uh, can be an owner of the audio version of the Venus Complex in just a few seconds. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you both coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Sorry sure. for the shameless plug. Yes. No, it's been a delight chatting to you. And, you know, Doug, thank you so much for your, your kind comments about my work. It's, um, uh, wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, darling. Oh, bless. Thank you, love. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, not, not just because you're both here. I love the book when I read it and I loved uh, listening to the audiobook. And I think, uh, people listening to the show would love to uh, check it out. Oh, well, listen, Neil, thank you so much for having us on. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. Okay.
Welcome back to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm still Nasty Neil. And that would make me terrible, Troy. And a big thank you to Barbie Wild and Doug Bradley. And uh, it was a really fun time. I don't think we even talked about Hellraiser, but you can listen to uh, <laughs> previous Hellraiser interviews uh, right here on Without Your Head. Yeah. Well, it's good to see, you know, that they're doing some other jazz, you know? Yeah, the... Um, well, Barbie wrote the book um, *The Venus Complex* a couple of years ago, which I loved. It's a uh, it's a journal, so it's a, it's uh, in the first person of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So it's a serial killer writing down, you know, what he's doing, and it was uh, it was a great. It's very dark, lots of uh, in in detail talk of um, of rape and um, murder and necrophilia. So it's, it's right up my alley. <laughs> uh, it's really well done. Uh, a lot, probably, it's probably a lot darker than people would expect, you know, going into it. And then it's uh, the audiobook is read, uh, narrated by uh, Doug Bradley. And since it is in the first person, uh, it really works. It's almost like a, you know, an audio play. It's like a, you know, uh, voice acting because it's just the <laughs> one guy. And he does a great job. He has obviously a great voice, so it's it's a really perfect uh, pairing, I think. Oh, that's awesome. So we talked a lot about serial killers and necrophilia <laughs> and, uh, and sandwiches. Sandwiches. Good, 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 good. You've covered all the bases. Exactly. So I hope everyone dug that. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I hope you've been enjoying the music tonight. Uh, the first week here for Music of the Month, Sophia Catriola and Michael Epstein. Oh, very good. We've both been on the show several times, mm-hmm. and you can check them out live in, uh, I believe it's in Somerville, Bring Me Your Women. They're part of a, uh, a live uh, music show. Oh, okay. I thought you just interjected that, like you just, you know, yeah, well, you made can listen that, that statement. And then, right, and then Bring Me Your Women. Okay. So we don't care <laughs> if Mars needs, like, Earth women. Neil, nasty Neil needs Earth women. Right. Right, right. All right. So uh, we get into some. Oh, by the way, their um, their film, which we talked about on the uh, show, you know, lots of time, clickbait, mm-hmm. uh, was just announced today. Will be playing at Boston Underground Film Festival. Oh, very nice. That's, That's very cool. Goes. Yeah. Well, we'll go over all the movies that are they they put out the the whole lineup. But oh, they did because last yeah. week you didn't you didn't have it yet. No, just today they uh, they finalized it. They emailed to me, and I know it's been popping up on some uh, horror websites. Oh, good. Before I do that, I did want to bring this up because I thought it was very strange. Um, been getting a lot of uh, of uh, pitches to, to interview different people on Inside Your Head for people mm-hmm. who don't know to without without your head, and that's uh, you know horror that you listen to now. In your head's pro wrestling, and then inside your head is people. Really, it just doesn't fit in either one. Mm-hmm. But an excellent show. One, I, one of my favorites, Snail. You do a great job on that. So I get tons of uh, of uh, pitches lately. And uh, some of the stuff is interesting. Might not be in my wheelhouse, but uh, sometimes I think I'll venture out. And mm-hmm. sometimes stuff that I'm just not interested in. This one today was very odd. It was... Uh, it was to interview the uh, the writer of the new book, Trump and the Jews. <laughs> okay. 
which makes us sound like a fan, like it's a fantasy. And yeah, he's, like, he's in the land of Jews. Yeah, it's like some ancient Greek, you know, like tragedy. <laughs> You're like a children's book. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. The fabled Jews. Yeah, well, and then so I know a mushroom. He found a Jew. Right. Uh, it's definitely not my. Um, I don't want to start doing political interviews, no matter which side they're on. And this was uh, apparently the book is very pro-Trump. And uh, even if it wasn't, it wouldn't be something I want to do. But I definitely don't do that. Mm. And then to top it off, they actually sent me a list of the actual questions they'd want me to ask. <laughs> so they don't want you asking your own questions? I don't know if I could, if I could add my own, but they sent me six questions. Like completely written out that I that I'm was supposed to ask, and I was just like, man, that's like maybe a little peek into how some other like media works. They just get these <laughs> questions, asked, you know, these like loaded questions. Yeah, right, right. Wow, that's pretty crazy. I won't go over them because I don't know if I should or not. But the last one just made me laugh because it's. Uh, where can our viewers, listeners, get a copy of your new book, Trump and the Jews? It's like, I wouldn't think to ask this. This guy's <laughs> on plugging his book, and I wouldn't think to, to ask, hey, where can you get this? <coughs> like, like, I'm just like a total moron. Yeah. You're just like a, you know, like a talking monkey or something. Yeah, normally you ask him about, you know, breakfast cereal and stuff. Right. Even if we did veer off the subject, at the end it would be like, you know, where can you get this? <laughs> yeah. So that that made me laugh. That is pretty awesome. That that's probably the highlight of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh something else I got uh this week. And I don't want to trash. Maybe it's a great movie. I don't watch it yet. But I got this uh thing, you know, for screener to review. It's that's all well and good. Uh and the the, the cover is a cat. Like an evil looking cat. And the movie is called Pet Graveyard. <laughs> and <it's> Whoa. Like, <laughs> where where did could they possibly, you know, get this idea? Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Man's hide is rockier. <laughs> well, maybe it's from a woman's point of view. Oh, I can. Yeah, that could be the it's big the twist. mom that you know is bringing the the daughter up to the right. Well, that's the new movie. graveyard. <laughs> that's right. They're already doing that in the actual reboot. Oh, that's true. You're right. They're right. Well, in in the land of like, well, maybe not. That's not quite as much inspiration as just like, hmm. I think I'll borrow this whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, but. <laughs> I did discover one thing today in, in a completely like strange topic. Um, there's an old episode, and I, I got to find it. I haven't found it yet. Somebody told me it's on YouTube, mm-hmm. but I wanted to check Amazon Prime and stuff because I think they have, I don't know if they have the whole series, but it's an old Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, nice. And it's from 1960, and mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's called The Man from the South. And I was I was intrigued when I first saw it because it's a, it's a Roan Dahl story. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the guy that wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and mm-hmm. stuff, and the BFG and all, you know, great children's books. Um, but it stars Steve McQueen, a very young Steve McQueen back in 1960, like right after The Blob, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Peter Lorre. Really? Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't want to read too much because I definitely want to see it. Mm-hmm. But I I guess it was like King's inspiration for Quitters Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what the wager is, if it's, you know, if it is a wager or if it's like a stop smoking thing. But Lori's there with, with a big meat cleaver. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just, I have to find this. This just sounds so awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to find, I'd like to uh, see that myself. Mm-hmm. So the, it's the man from the south is the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So here's the uh, the full lineup, and actually, then we'll get to a bunch of. Sh- I did see a bunch of new shows are coming, the anthology shows. So that's oh, sweet. I'm not just saying anthology shows, but uh, the horror related shows. Um, let's see here. Uh, Assassinat. The, uh, the U.S. premiere at Boston Underground Film Festival. Okay. It's a science fiction adventure about a young girl who braves the alien wilderness in a faraway planet to save the president of Earth from a murderous astronaut. Hmm. Sounds All right. Very interesting. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, New England premiere of Canary. Uh, coming of age war musical about a small town boy who gets chosen to serve his compulsory two-year military training in the South African Defense Force Choir and Concert Group, known as the Canaries, during the height of the apartheid regime. Mm. That sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I am kind of intrigued by it, though. Uh-huh. Uh, the Massachusetts premiere of Clickbait, which nice. uh, we talked about. I, I have great moves on my uh, 666 list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hail Satan, which is actually a sneak preview. Hail Satan. With this sounds interesting to me because I don't really think a lot of these people. But with unprecedented access, Hail Satan traces the rise of the Satanic Temple. Only six years old and already one of the most controversial religious movements in American history, the Temple and its enigmatic leader. Lucian Graves are calling for a satanic revolution to save the nation's soul. But are they for real? Hmm. Oh, so this is a documentary then? Yes, yes. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. And for my, because uh, we're going to have people on and then it didn't happen. But uh, from what I've read, I do kind of, I just kind of feel like they're just trolls. They just like to trouble <laughs> religious people. Yep. Yep, I've mentioned that before. Yeah, there's no there's no connection to Satan besides just to use the name Satan to troll people and have cool looking like shirts and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, the Ensu TV shows use Baphomet. <laughs> yeah, uh, the East Coast premiere of Happy Face. Desperate to become less shallow, a handsome teenage boy deforms his face with bandages. And attends a support group for disfigured people. Oh. Sounds interesting. Yeah, if done well, that that could be really cool, too. Mm -hmm. 
the Boston premiere of Industrial Accident, the story of Wax Tracks Records. <clears throat> Throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Wax Track founders Jim Nash and Danny Flesher led a tribe of outsiders on a ride through the 80s underground, accidentally changing music along the way. Industrial Accident explores the life and legacy of the pioneered and emerging, uh, emerging underground scene, industrial dance music. Okay, so far they all sound pretty yeah. interesting, Neil. Um, that one includes interviews with uh, Trent Reznor, David Grohl, Ian McKay, Jello Biafra, Jossie, Fanini Tootie, and many more. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so far so good, Chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New England premiere of Knife and Heart. Paris, summer 1979, Anne is a producer of gay porn at discount. When Lois, her editor and companion, leaves her, she attempts to reclaim her by turning a film more ambitious with the flamboyant Archibald. That one, is that the same one? Oh, I don't know if I had sent you the uh, the trailer I had seen, but it sounds a lot like, um, what was it called again? Knife and Heart. Yep, that's the one. Yep, okay. that, that one looked really cool to me. It looked almost like a little Serbian film vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maybe because okay. it's, you know, about oh, like a movie it, maker. Yeah. yeah. That one I'd really like to see, actually. Uh, the 2K restoration of Mary Jane's Not a Virgin Anymore. It's a 1997 film. Oh, wow. Jacobson's only feature film, A Vibrant and Vital Antidote. Uh, to every phony Hollywood teen picture, bringing lo-fi realness to the coming-of-age genre. Sure, the usual signposts are here. First job, first time for crushes, friendships, fitting in and figuring out. But all are handled with utter honesty. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mope, the East Coast premiere of Mope. The tragic true story of best friends Steve Driver and Tom Dong. Two low-end porn actors who sought fame but gained infamy. Mm. That sounds good, too. Yep. The East Coast premiere of Tone Deaf. After losing her job and having a recent complicated relationship implode, a woman flees to the countryside for a weekend getaway where she finds anything but respite as her rental's owner struggles to control his psychopathic tendencies. Mm. Could be good. Yep. Uh, the New England premiere of The Unthinkable. Sweden is under attack by an unknown force. In the midst of the chaos, Alex tries to reunite with his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that one's a little vague. So Yeah, yeah. And uh, last one here, there's also a bunch of shorts, is New England premiere of Werewolf. Children liberated from a Nazi concentration camp must overcome hunger, thirst, and vicious dogs in an abandoned mansion surrounded by the forest. Little do they know that their fight for freedom has only just begun. That sounds very good. Yeah, it does. All right. I'm down with that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So uh, that's what's coming up. Boston Underground Film Festival. If you can make it to Cambridge around Boston. Come out and check them out. Definitely. Sounds like it would be a good time. Like, how many days does it take? Is it uh, a two-day fest? Oh, five, five days. days. Okay, yeah. wow. 
And uh, oh, by the way, the Queen of Hollywood Boulevard, which I saw last year at Boston Underground Film Festival for the first time, by uh, Orson Obowitz, who's was uh, been on the show a couple times. I did an interview with him there. Uh, it's now on Shutter. Oh, very nice. Check it out. I think you'd really like it, Troy. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look at that one. That one sounded good from what you had said. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but it's a uh, it's a weird movie. So I think people who listen to the show would dig it. I'm pretty weird, so I'm I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah. So I saw like this is like I guess it's good in one way, but it's also bad in another way because oh. <laughs> Idris Elba is replacing um, the Fresh Prince. As Deadshot on Suicide Squad 2. So it's definitely an upgrade. Oh, but yeah. why do I have to see Idris Elba in Suicide Squad? I know. See, he's a guy, I, I love him, but he doesn't always choose the best roles. You see him, because I think he's he's also the villain in um, the Fast and Furious like offshoot movie with The Rock and the British guy that mumbles so much that I can't understand him, Jason mm-hmm. Statham. So I, I don't know. Maybe he has fun with roles like that, but they probably pay a lot of money too. Yeah, but I don't know he like I think he turned down being the new Bond. I'd rather see him as Bond. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, but and I, I shouldn't be optimistic, but if James Gunn is going to uh is he gonna make that one the um part two yeah i'm not really sure and i think is dave batista gonna be in it so it's got mm-hmm. the potential to be way better than the first one mm-hmm. yeah james gunn and i don't think he, they he's it's been official yet if batista isn't doing guardians of the galaxy i kind of think he isn't and I know he did say he wanted it to do uh, so. It it could be something where the the sequel's way better than yeah. the original one. Exactly, exactly. It would be hard to be worse. Yeah, it couldn't be much worse. It it would have to be uh, Batman versus Superman to be worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even finish it. I'm just like, God. <laughs> oh, it's it's bad times. You didn't miss out on anything, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I made it through to the end of that one. I think it was like multiple viewings. I think I watched like uh, half an hour each time. Yeah. It's weird that you made this movie and like like half the cast doesn't want to do the sequel and you just like, we must make the sequel. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bode well. Uh, well, I'd do well, something else. Got Jared Leto in it, and that's all they. Yeah, you know, I think he's gone. Uh, he's no oh, longer. Gonna, <laughs> uh, he's no longer going to play the Joker, which is great news because he's horrible. Yep. yep. I honestly think he's the only Joker I don't like that's ever been in anything. Same here, because like, um, yeah, whether it's like movies, TV, video games, animated stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because Mark Hamill as as the Joker in the Batman the Animated Series, he was just awesome. He was fabulous as a Joker. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go see uh, Captain Marvel tomorrow, and it's really weird. There's so much like people like ah, oh, it's only got eighty six percent, which seems high to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, eighty six sounds pretty good. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, and people are saying it's gonna 
you know, kill Marvel. And that's like, come on. The movie has really, really, all these people saying this, I don't think that most of them even saw the movie yet. It, no, because I think the premiere was just that small thing. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's really weird because I'm not I'm not a guy who ever says oh uh, you know white men do this whatever. I always think that kind of talks really pretty shit. Is this kind of stupid? <laughs> yeah, but this one it is like like they announce a female like a superhero and there are people who get so uptight about it. Oh yeah, that's true. Really strange. That and I also saw a lot of that for Black Panther. Yep. Like a lot of people that were just like mad that it that it was like a, a black guy. Yeah, <laughs> like how odd. Uh, but then you get people, you know, going going the opposite way and like you know going crazy with like uh, you know the Iron Fist on Netflix being a white guy, and it's like, well. In the comic book, he's a white right. guy, folks. It's like the whole point. It's part of part of the, yeah, you know, the thing with the characters. Uh, okay, yeah, it's just a lot of that's a, a lot of. I don't know if you dislike something because it's a woman or a white guy. It's just as dumb for just liking it because of that. Like yep. either one is equally dumb to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's just foolishness. Yeah, if yeah. you see the movie and you hate it, then that's fine. Just yeah, know, exactly. Wow, this movie right. It's There's plenty like, well, of bad movies out there, you know. Yeah, to say it's a woman, so it sucks, or it's a woman, so I love it. It's they're just equally stupid. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. But I, I don't know, like um, the stuff on Rotten Tomatoes, like just kind of, kind of fleeting anyway. Uh. Uh-huh. Because, like, I remember when they had the ads for, um, oh, I can't remember what the movie was. It was one of those, like, I don't know if it was, hmm. It is a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anything, I kind of, I just get getting... something. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're like 90% fresh. Yeah, they're like. Fresh. And now, like, if you go there, it's 78%. So it's like, you know, well, geez, when the movie actually came out, like, people didn't like it nearly as much as, you know, they did before it, even, it came before out. Before they even saw it. Yeah. yeah. There's always, always these rumors that, like, and I guess if you read the reviews, like, you can tell or whatever, but that, you know, a studio will make just fake accounts and give movies, like, fake, you know, high scores. Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure yeah, of it. And then reverse that, there's people that will try to sabotage the movie and either make a bunch of fake accounts or get together on Reddit and be like, hey, let's go hate this movie. Yeah, that's that's just strange to me. I just don't understand stuff like that. Yeah, I don't want to say the name because uh, I like the guests. Was, they were nice to us. But um, there is a guest we had on, and I could totally tell their movie was that way because on IMDb, it was like, like ten thousand, like, like five star, like or ten star reviews, like oh, just really? ridiculous that that no independent. I mean, it was more reviews than like than like you know mainstream movies. <laughs> uh huh. And then when I put it up on YouTube, it immediately got like you know eight thousand views in like a week, <laughs> which uh, is like possible. But then I had no comments, so I was just like, well. Doesn't mm. seem up, yep, up to me. Yeah, that seems a little, a little yeah. suspect. 
Right. Because, like, there's, uh, I mean, we have ones that, like, I haven't looked for a while, but I know, like, um, uh, Raven Delacroix is like 350,000 views at my level, but it wasn't like in one day. Right, right. And also, that's a lot of comments. It wasn't like, uh, this, you know, suddenly all these people watch it. No one decided to comment on it. <laughs> it's very odd. Well, I just went over there and looked at some of the stuff, and I don't know. They're pretty much up and down. Like, uh, a star is born got eighty on that, mm-hmm. you know, and it made like a ton of money and was one of like everybody's favorite movies last yeah, year. Yeah, it's up for. Academy Award. Right, yeah. right. So maybe 84 isn't that bad. Yeah, I think it was 86. I don't know. It sounded pretty good to me. Oh, okay. You yeah. think about it, 86% of the people who saw it liked it. That's pretty That's pretty rocking. Yeah, that's pretty solid, right? Probably, I mean, The Godfather probably is less than <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So uh, The Boy 2 is coming out. I've actually never seen The Boy. And I, was, I remember watching the trailers. I really wanted to see it. Yeah, for some yeah. reason, I just never I never got around to it. Also, there's a sequel coming out. Yeah, so I should watch it. Yeah, we'll have to. Like, especially if we're going to go see the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you find out the date? I think you did. I think it was in April for the... Um... Oh, the Fathom event? Yes. Yep, April. Hmm. Let me look at that. But uh, for people who are wondering, it's a Don Quixote movie. It's finally coming out. But only for the one day, which, you know, maybe they're going to see how it does and then, then decide from there. Mm-hmm. I don't see it here. Hmm. I don't even see it listed here. Uh, April 10th. All right. It's under their recently announced. Okay. Oh, my God, Neil. Did you see this one? Uh, Octoman. Yeah, I was excited, but it's a riff track. Which, oh. Eh, it's fine, but I'm not. like um, I don't know. There, I've never, I never. I like Mystery Science Year 2000, okay? Mm-hmm. But I've never been like one that was crazy over it. I really only watched a handful of them. Okay, because I like the show, but I don't know if I could actually see the show at the movie. Yeah. That might be weird to me. Uh-huh. I wish it was just stock to me. That looks pretty awesome. Yeah, because I love the poster. Uh-huh. I see they're doing uh, some kind of Doctor Who thing. It looks like your boy, your favorite Doctor Who there. It is. It's kind of neat. It's the last, um, I think it's like two or three episodes And it's when Tom Baker was leaving and they were bringing in the next Doctor Who. So that's like the changeover. Mm. But one thing that I was really happy about, and it's linked in with that um, event, the Doctor Who Logopolis. Yeah. um, Is that they're finally going to release the entire Tom Baker uh, Doctor Who, like, seven-year run on DVD. So... I could actually buy like just the Tom Baker ones, which which would be good because those are the only ones I really like. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Oh, so they are showing it um, <clears throat> near us. Uh, the man who killed Don Quixote, and uh, for people listening, check out FathomEvents.com. 
the Terry Gilliam, the man who killed Don Quixote, it's uh, playing in Kingston and Swansea and Braintree. So, oh, nice. Check that out. April Maybe we'll 10th. do the Swansea again and go to our. Uh, we'll give a big shout out to Yamato, mm-hmm. which Neil and I just kind of found just driving past it. And it was this shiny chrome. Uh, it's like an old school like diner that's yeah. in like a, a <laughs> cart, but it's Japanese food. It's so bizarre, but the food was amazing. It was, and like the prices were great. Everything was so good. Yeah. So I think that's where we'll go to see that. Sounds good to me. And then one that you might not be interested in, but the uh, the Ocos Inn. Did you see that one? It was right next to um, the Don Quixote one. No. Oh. It's um. Oh, uh, Kasaka, <laughs> the the guy that uh, he directed a whole bunch of the Ghibli, uh, the Studio Ghibli stuff. Okay. It's like his own studio now, I think, that, mm-hmm. uh, that's making this one. And it's about like a, an in for ghosts. So it sounds like a, it might be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, no, I probably wouldn't be interested. No, but... I didn't think it would be your trip. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you do like Spirited Away in Princess. I Mon- do. Oh. I do. I do. But yeah, I've been dying to see this. I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan. Mm-hmm. Made some of my favorite movies. Brazil's a top ten. I don't know where, but it's definitely top ten movie. Oh, line. Yeah. Um, I like pretty much all of these. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the documentary, uh, God, I forget the name of it, but it's about the making of Don Quixote, and you see all the passion he has and excitement, and then it all falls away, and it's just like this heartbreaking thing to watch. Oh, and then. And then he, you know, kept trying to make, he finally made, it's like 20 years in the making, finally got it made. Then he had to fight a lawsuit to get it released. And they thought maybe whenever it released, it's finally out. I just hope it's, it's, it's good. I do too. Cause I, I think the last few by Gilliam yeah, kind of let me down. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I was really looking forward to that last one, but I, yeah, I went to see it at the theater. I just couldn't, I didn't like it. Yeah, and the Brothers Grimm let me down. and Yeah, it's horrible. But that one, I will say that one's not totally his fault. He even wrote a whole book about the making of that. Uh-huh. And it was just like this. It was really, the you know, studio uh, wouldn't let him make the movie he wanted to make. So I don't uh-huh. blame him for that one. But these other ones have just been independent movies. So they might not have big budgets, but they were, uh, you know, they were totally his vision. Mm-hmm. I did like that one. That one, I forget the name of it now. It's this weird one, and well, they're all weird, but uh, it's like the traveling something. Oh yeah, yeah, that one that was okay. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, man. The only thing though, I love Gilliam, but he's a really just a grumpy old man now. He's like, <laughs> ah, he's, ah, I hate these comic book movies. It's like, well, don't then don't go see him. Exactly. That's kind of the easy way out on that one. Yeah. You know, don't want to see him. Uh, don't go see him, dude. Yeah. Him and James Cameron, there's bitching. It's like, well, don't go see him. Yep. And, I love and it's so that. weird from the guy that, like, most of his stuff is fantasy anyway. Yeah. And he wanted to make The Watchmen. It's a comic book movie. <laughs> he wanted to make Harry Potter. It's not a comic book, but, I mean, come on. Yeah. Is it really much different? 
Yeah, it wasn't, you know, like you could see it if it was somebody like, um, oh. And Cameron's uh, the same way. I mean, like. Oh, exactly. Aliens and the, the, the blue people. I mean, that's all. This conflict <laughs> stuff. Yep. And no one's stopping James Cameron from making movies. Yep. As much as I love Gilliam. Um, he had problems making movies for decades before the comic book movies became big. You can't blame the comic book movies for that. Oh, right, right. And there's documentaries about it. He's written books about it. I mean, it's too bad. I wish there was more movies of Gilliam, but, I mean, he can't blame it on comic book movies. Right, right. And I see, I see people, you know, it's like, oh, I hate, it's like, well, just don't go see him. There's yeah. movies I have no interest in. I don't sit. Ah, oh, why do you stop making Transformers? That no one should see him. I just think, well, that's the movie I'm not going to go see. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you kind of figure that one out. You're like, nah, don't think I'll see that one. Same with everything. Like, uh, I, there's more people that were bitching during the Oscars than were like saying they enjoyed it. And it's just like, you know, you don't have to watch them. <laughs> yep. It's not even back in the day when we had three channels. So if you didn't watch them, there wasn't much else you're gonna watch. You know, like, right? Gonna watch this or like a you know repeat of fish or something. But <laughs> now there's you know multiple channels. Then there's like there's literally hundred cable channels, mm-hmm. and then there's the, this thing called the internet. So you don't there's no need to even watch television. Right. Right. That's very true. Never mind, bitch about it. I enjoy watching. Uh, I enjoy watching the uh, the award shows. If I didn't, I just wouldn't watch them. Yep, exactly. You know, it's it's like anything. You know, if you don't like basketball, then don't turn the channel onto the station that's showing basketball at that right. time. Doesn't mean I want it to end. Mm-hmm. Basketball should die. Why I don't dislike? <laughs> like I think hockey should be eliminated because right. I don't personally like it. <laughs> but the good thing about this one too, the thing that gives me a little higher hope is uh, Jonathan Price is in this one, mm-hmm. and uh, he's always in like Gilliam's really best stuff, I think. Yeah, and uh, Adam Driver, who's a great actor. Yeah, yep, he's one of those young kids like you know keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, who did you say? I'm sorry. Was in the. Oh, Jonathan Price. He plays Don Quixote. Oh, okay. What What else was he in? Um. Recently, he was the uh, the Sparrow in um, in Game of Thrones. You know, the religious leader. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he was. Uh, oh, he was the main guy in Brazil, and. He was the dad in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. I think he was the bad guy in, um, oh, Taboo. Remember mm-hmm. the TV show? Yeah. I don't see him listed in the credits. Oh, there I he know. is. Isn't that strange that they it's wouldn't? way down. Yeah. But you could tell from the picture, you know, like when I watched the um, the trailer, you know, it's it's definitely him. Yeah. Okay, he's the main guy in Brazil. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I know who he is. Man, I didn't realize that was the same guy who was in uh, Game of Thrones. Yep. Yeah, he was the the sparrow, you know, the religious religious guy. 
Yeah, that's sweet. And then I think it was funny because it was a little role reversal in um, in Taboo because he was like the head of the uh, the spice company. Mm-hmm. You know, who they're fighting against in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So they, they said that they're, um, this was a little while ago, this news came up, they're rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean without uh, depth. And I was just like, why That's would anyone want to see that? Why would anyone want to see that? I don't know, because the last one, like, failed miserably, and I really enjoyed it. The one, um, you know, with Javier Bardem is the ghost pirate guy. Uh huh. Yeah, and, like it, it did pretty poorly at the box office, and yeah, why even reboot it now? It's like if people are kind of tired of it, <laughs> right? Just put well, it away for a another. while. Yeah, yeah, maybe in ten or twenty years, like oh, we'll let's try this again. Mm-hmm. But well, I don't get it. Like if people aren't wanting it, it's like why make more of them? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. And without the guy, that's that's like. Is the the main draw of the movie? I mean, come on. Oh yeah, he's pretty much the franchise, you know. Yeah, it'd be kind of like, like Iron Man without uh, Tony Stark, you know. Mm. They did the switcheroo, and they're like, "Okay, well now Jim Rhodes is Iron Man." Well, wait a minute, where the hell's Tony Stark? Yeah, it's not like people really have pirate movies anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not the love of the pirates that's bringing people. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I just I would just I would just skip that for a while. I'll be like ah, we'll just... and then I saw that uh, so Disney wants to bring back. Uh, they said um, uh, Planet of the Apes and the Fly, and so I was like, well, the Fly that's cool. It's been around yeah. for a while. Maybe you can do something neat that. But I was thinking, well, maybe they just meant you know continue the Planet of the Apes because they bought you know the studio. Mm-hmm. And so I looked it in. And they were like, well, since uh, there's a clean slate since they finished their trilogy. Which isn't necessarily correct, because I remember, uh, which I was happy about. I talked about on the show. There was an interview with, um, oh, who's the guy who does the the motion capture? Oh, Andy Sarkis? Yeah. And he, when they asked about the trilogy, and he said, well, why a trilogy? There's no plans to stop making these. We're just going to make them for as long as we have story. Yeah, and they might, you know, it could be like, you know, one's the next year, one's maybe 20 years from there, right. whatever. Which I like that idea because I don't understand the fascination with the trilogy. It's like why? I does know it why to things continue? have to end, right? Yeah. If it's good, keep going. If it's not, then yeah. And but yeah. anyway, it's like, can why reboot this already? It's like we just <laughs> had it. Now we I know the newest one was just again. what a year ago or maybe two years ago at the most. Yeah, these were great. These are great movies. Oh yeah. I was, you know. Leary going in, and oh, yeah. uh, they turned out awesome. For, yep. The first and the third one to me are fantastic. Second one's fine, but I think it's not as good as the other two, but still fine. Yeah, the second one's a little goofy, but you know, a lot of the time you get a little drop off with number two, but yeah. then it definitely picked up with number three. Three was oh great. yeah, three was awesome, and he definitely could keep going. I don't oh easily. I mean, really... Andy Circus could even come back as you know Caesar's son. Sure. You know, and really, the, I think I assume the next one would actually be the uh, the remake of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that would make sense, you know, because now you've established, or you could even do one that kind of like, yeah, you know, finalizes. The of, yeah, yeah, yep. this is how, civilization. how, yeah, they're dominance, and now humans are becoming the slaves. Yep. 
That would be good. And then after that, then you actually do the, uh, cause that's where it was going. Cause this was, it really played as well as a prequel to the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You could pretty much just pick up with that one mm-hmm. after this last one. Yeah. So I, I don't understand uh, why you'd want to want to do that. Cause then what are you going to do? Like, well, let's tell the whole origin story again. Only we're going <laughs> to re, you know, reinvent it. And yeah, then, that doesn't I don't, make any yeah. sense. The I fly, hope they don't do that. Yeah. I know a lot of people love that. I think we talked about this before. Neither of us are huge fans of the the 80s fly, which I know a lot of people love. The yeah, gold blue ones. I hate that one. Yeah, I wouldn't say hate it, but uh, I'm not big on it. I think it's just kind of a gross-out movie. Yeah. But I love the original fly. Oh, yeah. And if you kind of, like, go more with that, you know, kind of jazz it up yeah. a little bit. Because mm-hmm. now you could even have effects where, like, you know, he could even have wings and stuff. Like, he'd be flying around and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm interested in that. And even if you are a big fan of the uh, Goldblum one, it has been 30 years. So Yeah. That's yeah, fine. so the time, time would be fine with that one. Yeah. I'm not against remakes. I just think remaking, rebooting something that's, like, still, like, in our like current memories in your mind right yeah yep yeah and and it just seems like i don't know a lot of the times like there's this weird obsession with you know we got to reboot we got to reboot reimagine right away yeah like well why like wait a little bit until there's a little nostalgia anyway or you once you've run out of you know ideas Mm -hmm. like just like i said there's so plenty stuff you could do with that with those planet of the apes so oh, just yeah. continue. Yeah, because just, you know, I'll tell them, just look at, like, the Christopher Nolan Batmans and then what they did afterwards. Yes, yes. You know, there's definitely something that shouldn't have been a trilogy. He could have kept that baby going for much longer. Yeah, I was looking forward to more. Like, you know, what I would like to see the Penguin or the Riddler oh, or whoever, yeah. you know, yep. within this world, this universe of Batman. Yep. Yeah, totally badass. So uh, something's coming up is uh, the Vampire Chronicles uh, TV uh, series for Hulu. Oh, when is that? I'm not sure when it's coming, but it's coming soon. And uh, that's going to be very interesting because, you know, with the success of Game of Thrones, the idea Mm. of doing a series of books as a TV series where each... Uh, season, or even maybe you can you get two seasons off, you know, some books. But it's you know you do the the whole series of a of a book as a as a TV show. That's very interesting. Oh yeah, and so far I've been definitely digging them. Like you know, obviously Game of Thrones, and then mm-hmm. you know more recently, just you know last year with uh, um, American Gods, and mm-hmm. then. Season two of that starts, I think, this weekend. So I'm definitely geeked for that. Yeah, I need to catch up on this. Yeah, you'll you'll really like it, Neil, because it's a good blend of like things. You'll see a lot of like ancient gods, and then when you kind of piece together who they are, it's kind of a neat like reveal and mm-hmm. like and uh, Neil Gaiman's stuff's always so good. Then I'd like to see like more of his stuff like turn into yeah. Movies. Well, not, he he does have another one coming. It's coming to Amazon Prime. Good Omens. They're doing. His oh, story. that's right. He, that was one he did with uh, with Terry Gilliam. I mean, not Terry Gilliam. <laughs> Terry uh, Pratchett. Oh, who okay. Wrote the Discworld. 
And um, it's great because it's kind of like kind of a comedic retelling of The Omen. It's it's a really good book. But, okay. I watched the trailer. It looked like it'd be good. Uh, David Tennant plays the devil. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did you ever end up watching the, um, oh, I think it's called a. Uh, or maybe he plays, he plays something. He might not play the devil. Yeah, he's, in, he's, he's a demon in it. Yep. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the devil actually is uh, Hannibal Lecter from, the, from, um, from uh, da, 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 the first one. Not oh. Sans Lambs with the previous, the one before that. Oh, cool. Manhunter. Yep. Oh, that's pretty badass. Yeah. But what were you saying, sir? Oh, um, I think it was like Good Citizen or Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. I um, heard something about that. I never watched it. Though. I haven't watched it either, but the trailer looked really cool. It was like these kids are running a scam and they're, um, oh, valet parking kids like at a fancy restaurant and so when people pull up in a nice car they'll they'll take the car go like use their gps find out like where they've been or where they live and then go and rob the house and so david Tennant pulls in and you know he's got this like bitchin ferrari or something and uh you know and he's like hey kid don't scratch it and so the kid goes and, you know, he looks in his thing and finds out, you know, where he lives, goes to his house. And then while he's robbing it, finds that he's got like a woman chained up in his house. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so, you know, he's freaking out, gets the car back, you know, in time, like when he's leaving. And I think then the kids call the cops. But by the time they get there, you know, the woman's gone. And so I don't know what happens after that, but it looks really kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Ah, check that out. I think it's on Amazon as well. Yeah, it's a really cool time now when you have Amazon Prime and Hulu and oh, Shutter yeah. and Netflix, and you get all these uh, this content that you even with just basic with uh, the cool stuff on cable, you know, there's still limited amount. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a lot of stuff that we probably wouldn't have got years ago. Oh yeah, and it's just it's it's super cool to see because you know like when you get tired of seeing like all the remakes and, you know, stuff like that. And then there's all this fresh new stuff coming out. Like it, it yeah. really gets me excited. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, if, if you are sick of reboots and reimaginings and reheatings and, <laughs> and, uh, regurgence and all this stuff, uh, support, you know, new stuff that's uh, original. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. As long as it's good. I do see sometimes a blanket sta- statement of that, where even if you don't like it, you're supposed to support it, which that makes no sense to me. But right. If you if you if it's good and you like it, support it. Yep, agree. Uh, I this is finally coming out. We've had multiple interviews over like the last probably five years, where people have talked about this movie, and it got to a point I just thought, well, this 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 is never coming out, uh, but it's actually really coming exist. out. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it has a trailer. It looks good to me. I always like the whole idea of it. And it's a, I spit on your grave too. Oh, nice. It's a direct sequel to the original. I spit on your grave and Camille Keaton reprises a role. And, uh, this time the, the offspring of the, the people she killed, uh, kidnap her to torture her oh. for, for violently killing their parents. Well, they their, their, their fathers. And I was like, I think that's a good idea. Yep, yep, I like this. And it's the original director. 
Is it really? Wow. Yeah. So, okay, I'm definitely looking forward to that then. Yeah, I like the idea. I want to see it. Yep. So what? Yeah, and I, ne- I, I never really thought it would happen. Yep, yeah, you thought it was like, you know, like a unicorn or something. Yeah. I have to admit, I was not a big fan of Hereditary. I don't hate it. Some people say, oh, you hate it. I didn't hate it. That is one thing that's on my nerves on the internet. It's either like you hate a movie, you hate, you violently hate something. Yeah, like, it was the worst thing you've ever seen. Right. Or like it's mother. the best. Yeah, or it's the best. Or there is another one. People, I think people like to go, meh, meh. That, <laughs> that's kind of, that's really lame. But it's never like I just didn't like it. Yeah. No, you hate it. So I didn't hate it. I didn't like, oh my God, I fucking hate this. I'm going to gouge my eyes. I just didn't think it was very good. That's uh, all. I thought it was well made, but it was, I just found it boring and they just threw the end like right. But, but definitely like I could see that the person who actually made it and stuff that has talent and stuff. There, yeah. There's something. So uh, all There's I said uh, behind it and everything. Yeah. So I watched the trailer for his new movie, Midsummer, and it's, I guess it's the old spelling of summer. S O M M A R. Oh, okay. Looks great. It looks like. Oh, does uh, it? Yeah, it looks like a modern Wicker Man. Ooh, all right. Not the bees. <laughs> Not the reimagining of that one. No, oh my god. That yeah, that was bad times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would I highly recommend checking the uh, the trailer out. Uh, looks very good. I thought hereditary, hereditary looked great too, but uh, this looks good. Looks like something I, I, I might enjoy. Okay, well, definitely have to check that out. I'll look at the trailer anyway, even if yeah. you know. And like I said, I do think the the guy who made it was talented. I just, I just care for the movie. Uh huh. Yeah, that's no. what I haven't seen yet. Like you know, and I've heard so much buzz about it. Yeah, yeah. Some people really loved it, and that's fine. That's good. Mm-hmm. In this world today. Uh, people can disagree on stuff. Doesn't mean you have to hate, hate them. <laughs> right. Like I will. Understand. Doesn't make them an evil person. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's very weird. Like I was going to say, yeah, they it might make them an evil person. I thought that's where you where you were going. It depends. Yeah. Well, I say all this stuff, but then I backtrack because, like, well, it depends on what you're dissing. Like, if I said, well, I believe you know, uh, women should be in cages. <laughs> Well, that's that well, would make me laugh, be, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, hey, it's just my just my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm, we can't be buddies. You got to grow up, just because you know. So it really depends on like what your opinion is. But if you just don't like a movie, yeah, then it's like you know, that, if it's an insane opinion, though, right? Well, if you don't like The Godfather, some then I'd be like, oh. well, then you suck. No, right. That's just the way that one goes. They're like, that creep show sucks. They're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Then you got to go. Right, right. There's, there's to go just away. like anything, there's exceptions. Yep, yep. Very true. I'm with you on that. Yeah, that taxi driver. And that movie sucks. <laughs> Who the hell could sit through that thing? Well, someone said that would be like, I maybe I could know them, but like, I would never take their opinion on anything seriously. No, I don't think you could at that point in time. You're, you might, I want to say you're a worthless person, but your opinion would be worthless. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't make an evil person, but right. 
Right. Would make you one that like eh, this person's got lousy taste in flicks. Yeah, yeah. Maybe kick him in the balls. Yeah, I think that's all right too. Mm-hmm. I think this that's justified at that point. Who's coming up? Uh, you know, obviously be facetious, but this came up on my other show. In your head was uh, my co-host is like, I don't. I think he's going through a uh, midlife crisis because he's just <laughs> he's just talking about wanting to fight all the time. He's wanting to fight like he for wrestlers and. Wanted to fight me, and he's like, "Oh, let's meet up and we'll punch each other in the arm, and or we'll fight." And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like forty three years old, and I'm just like, even if I was, even if I was twenty years old, like I'm like a, you know, I'm not some dumb redneck that lives in like the mountains or <laughs> something. I'm not just gonna go around punching people. Like, why would I do this? All right, this is weird. Yeah, I mean. Seriously, like who's the same go flying around to punch somebody? <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of like money to is he willing to fly and punch you in the arm, like or do you have to fly? I don't know. Maybe it's beat in the middle, but like okay. it does didn't interest me and <laughs> to punch it in the arm thing. Yeah, uh... I'm having multiple like, you know, life threatening surgeries. <laughs> it's not like I'm start getting into the fist fight. You gotta yeah, start the MMA, man. Yeah, I was actually even told I can't, which was funny when they told me that. <laughs> and I, and I and I told them like, oh, I was gonna start it. I was gonna start cage fighting. And she's like, oh, well, you if you. And then she started telling me like things I'd have to do, and I'm thinking, do I look like someone who wants to like start cage fighting? You never know, I guess. Yes, I guess you can't. You don't want to like, judge, you know. I guess if she just looked at me and laughed, then it would be like <laughs> that. Would be awesome, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. no, seriously, you you can. Yeah, yeah, I can't cliff. Even before either. your surgery, you couldn't. But uh-huh. now, fuck, hey, no way. It was all a group of things. I can't like ride bulls. Oh <laughs> shit! No, <laughs> I can't cliff dive. Like, well, there, there goes your dreams right there, yeah, man. Does these things anyway. It's like I can't remember that. <laughs> remember that it was like world games. I can't compete in any of the world games <laughs> for the old, like that old computer game. Oh no! Like so, log rolling and stuff. Oh man! <laughs> that was all stuff that was on there. That was a good. I think that was the first game when I won a computer in 1989. I think that was the first game I got. Oh yeah! Yep! Yep! Can you what? caper toss anyway? I don't know. Remember, right. it's always so hard to figure out what the hell, you, how to even do any of the things. I think there oh, was one game we never, never even knew how you're supposed to maneuver. No. Because <laughs> at the time, Is that there what wasn't. that was called? World Games? Yeah, World Games. Right. I remember, because there wasn't like a mouse, because you just had to do like the arrow keys and hit like R and Y. And, oh, but yeah. There's never like clear directions. No, they had to hit them like a million times and stuff. Yeah. Then they had all those games where they'd come with like 20 discs. You'd have to keep like putting them in and out. Oh, and yeah. I like the, the Sierra games, but. Yep. And you just had, you'd have to physically type what you want to do, like walk over to door. And then like sometimes because it wasn't really intuitive. So you'd have to, like, you'd have to make sure you really worded it correctly for it to it'd be like, does not understand. Does not understand. <laughs> I remember uh, to, those. And if you put it in a naughty word, be like, you're a naughty boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> but to think of that now, like, 
if you were playing some any kind of video game and you had to physically type everything you're doing, like what a drag that would be. Oh, that would drive you insane. I think. <laughs> I, re- I remember one of the Sierra games. Um, you're investigating like a murder in New Orleans. What's that? Remember what? that one? Snake Lord Abdullah Abdallah the Snake Lord. Yeah, Dambala, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like Sins of the Father. I think it was right. the subtitle, but I'm not yeah, sure what it was. The, uh... I think the guy's name. It was mm-hmm. like the detective's name. Yeah, but I thought by the that game time was the... a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. A... I really dug all those. And when they got more advanced, where you didn't have to just type what you're doing, like you could just move. They, right. Yeah, they were. Amazing. It got hard though, because like you. I remember we just got stuck in that and didn't know what to do next. But right, there was so yeah, many was games fun. like that. Yeah, they go, but yeah, they. T- I remember the because it's hard to get like too advanced on something that's not advanced. So, mm-hmm. like when they would put out some of those games on the Atari, it's like you really got to keep them simple. When you start oh, putting yeah. out like that Indiana Jones game, and you're like, you don't know what the hell you think. <laughs> oh my god, those games were so crazy. Yeah. They had some uh, Night Quest game or something, too, I remember, that was, like, totally impossible to play. Oh, yeah. That was, like, and it was, they were going to give you, like, a bag of gold or something crazy or a sword if you could complete it. Yeah, and, like, you would, it would just be, like, this weird rainbow shower. Yeah. You had no idea what the hell you are supposed to do. And, yeah, the gameplay was just so insane. Like, yeah, <laughs> nobody could figure that game out. Yeah. I think it was Night Quest, wasn't it? Something like that. You know, Fincher stops beating people, wanting to fight everybody. Maybe <laughs> you're gonna have to ask him. Yeah. He would. He might know. I mean, nothing against them. I like Fincher. He's a good friend of mine, known him for years. But I don't know where he got this idea. He's just this badass. <laughs> nothing. I'm a really intimidating guy. He's like five six, if that. Five five. He's just, yeah, you might be right, though. Like, he's in his 30s now, right? Yeah, he's like 36. So maybe maybe it is. Maybe it's the old midlife going on. Mm-hmm. He's going to battle everybody. Then he sends us pictures. He's got, like, a switchblade. He's been as a switchblade. So I don't know what the hell. Nice. Like, he's... wanting to join, like, a gang or something. Wow. He's having a rumble. I, <laughs> I thought maybe, uh, you know, he's watching... New Japan and you know Switchblade is their new champ. Now. Ah, I see. <laughs> no, it's just odd, oddball stuff. <laughs> just weird shit with injury. Yeah. So this year was the 65th anniversary of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Holy God! Wow. Five years. One of my. I love that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one I can watch over and over again. One of the highlights of doing the podcast. I haven't been Chapman on the show. Oh, just the the ultimate, like just nicest, coolest guy. Yeah, the interviews up on on the website for one of my uh, proudest moments. I think of doing the mm. show. Yeah, not only like a tie to the original Universal Monster movies, but a great guy. Oh, just the 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 nicest guy. I just remember that one, like when he's like, "No, you guys, you, you boys, you got to call me Benny." You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, super well, guy. Mr. Chapman, what do you think? No, no, it's just Benny. Okay. That's <laughs> too bad we never met him in person, but it was awesome to talk to him. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I'll always remember that too because he gave us the invite if we ever made it to Hawaii to come and yeah and visit yeah. him. I think it was before we knew Mike Terry. We could have hung out yep. with uh, Ben Chapman and Mike Terry and ate some Hawaiian pizza. Oh, well, with the exception of the Hawaiian pizza, that sounds like a really good. Sound, I, I think you got to try it again. You like like Hawaiian grilled uh, pineapple on a burger? There's no difference. There's no, but there is. There isn't. You got cheese on the burger. You got a hot pineapple. Ooh. Same thing. I don't want orange on my pizza. I don't want pineapple on it. I love oranges. I eat oranges all the time. Orange isn't the right consistency, but pineapple works. Uh, You'd like it. You've forgotten the face of your father. I'm gonna gonna tie you down. Slinger. And it's gonna be like it's gonna be like clockwork orange, but instead of like prying your eyes open, let's pry your mouth open. It's like (laughs) "Ah, I eat this. Oh my God! See, you've been hanging around injured too much. Now you're like <laughs> threatening me with physical abuse. I'll show how tough I am. That's right. Uh, oh Lord! So uh, next week uh, on, on on Inside Your Head, uh, Sophia Lillis, who was the uh, Beverly Marsh in the 2017 It, and she's Nancy Drew in the upcoming Nancy Drew in the Hidden Staircase, will be on the show. That's pretty sweet. That's awesome. That is totally just cool. That's mm-hmm. badass right there. Yeah. I think she's like such a good, like, young actress, you know? Like, she might be one of those that, you know, you're seeing for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not sure who will be on the show next week. We'll go back to uh, the Thursday. Thursday uh, possibly night. have someone maybe from Buff on, Buff Underground Film Festival. But uh, just keep an eye uh, out. It's good advice, I think. Because uh, you never know. Somebody might sneak in. Before we leave for the evening, I do want to say this. For everyone out there, well, you're listening. This is uh, from the heart of Nasty Neil. Fuck the Momo. Whoa. Just had enough of the Momo. Fuck Momo. Fuck the Momo. I don't want to. I was saying earlier that just because I don't like something, I don't mean to be banished. <coughs> Fuck the Momo. Enough memes of the Momo. Enough uh, bullshit about the Momo. I think they even said that it's been. It's all bullshit. No one really killed themselves. It's just you know, morons believing this stuff. Fuck the Momo! I don't even know what it is, but I don't want to see it anymore. Fuck well, the Momo! When when I first heard about it, which mm-hmm. was pretty recently, like because I did not know this whole Momo challenge and all its other uh, foolishness. Uh, but our security guard, he came in and he told us about it. Uh-huh. And I was like, kind of intrigued because you know something new to me and so you know he was telling us that uh this is this horrible thing that's happening with kids and stuff and so i think he believed the hype Uh and so whenever you hear something that sounds like it's possibly not true because nobody has any videos of the actual momo saying this jam (laughs) You know, because it's supposedly, 
you know, hidden in videos of like Peppa the Pig on like children's YouTube. Uh-huh. Somehow they've taken this evil spirit and put it into these videos. And the Momo tells you, um, you know, well, uh, stick a fork into a light socket or, you know, do stab your mother in the eye with a pencil or something. Uh-huh. And so there's all these rumors about it, but nobody actually has the videos that go along with these rumors. Mm-hmm. And um, so I looked it up on Snopes.com, which is the best place to go if you hear something that may or may not be true. Right. You know, because it's kind of like the uh, consumer reports mm-hmm. of, of like, just gossip, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went there and I looked it up and they, you know, reported all the things that people had reported about it. But they're a little dubious because nobody actually has any video proof. So for something that's supposed to be on like children's YouTube videos, you would think somebody would have a video of this friggin' thing. Uh-huh. And nobody does. So I'm thinking you're right. I think the Momo is nonsense and it's just people wanting it to be true for some reason. Yeah. Fuck the Momo. I'm with you. Fuck the Momo. That's our new movement. Mm-hmm. Hashtag fuck the Momo. <laughs> Good. So that that's yeah. what it is, though. That's the you know kind of the story behind it. All right. Well, I say fuck it. I'm completely with you. Yeah. Even so, though I've known uh, of this Momo for like maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I just I see pop up pop up everywhere. I'm like enough. And the funny thing was, it was made by some like Japanese sculptor, and it's called uh, the Mother Bird. Yeah, the actual thing's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of creepy looking. Yeah. Can't people just go back to like dumping ice water over their heads? I know. It doesn't sound like much of a challenge. Like I don't what know do if like, killing you yourself is much a, much of a challenge. You just don't kill yourself? That's like the, the deal? Or you do no, kill yourself? I think yourself. the challenge is to yeah, to actually like, you know uh, well, like, like I don't I don't I'm not condoning anyone killing themselves, but if you kill yourself because of a Momo meme, then, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's... Yeah, kind of thin in the heart at that point, I think. Yeah. If you're not fucking stupid, then... Yeah. Oh, I can't feel that bad. <laughs> no. I'm... Yeah, it's kind of bad as it meme. sounds. I'm with you on that one. Uh, on this meme... But it told me I better stab myself in the eye, so I better fucking do it. Like, uh, oh, the fucking idiot. <laughs> good God. All right, Troy. I had a good time here. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to go to the movies. We'll talk about the movie on the show. That sounds good to me. If uh, if the weather's better, which I doubt it is, I was thinking about doing a video review with you. But right. That would be cool. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. Uh, at some point in time, we got to get back into that because I really enjoyed those. Yeah, we? I like them too. And people have uh, men- mentioned to me that they miss them. Yep. 
Well, I'm with them. Well, I, I want to set up a. Uh, maybe we could do the. Uh, I want to set up a. Um, like a not like a studio, but a background for because I'd like to do some uh, you know uh, videos. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was you know green screen's cool, but then it's like work. Then I have to like well, then I got a color screen out. I put something in. What if I just had a cool background, like a bookshelf with a bunch of cool horror stuff on it? Then I could just sit in front of it and talk about whatever. So if we did that, we actually you know put that in the basement, or whatever. Uh, you could come over and we could do it right there. Well, that'd be awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll look some uh, some bookshelves or something that uh, uh, I can't really say yard sales anymore, but uh, maybe you can, like go to Walmart or job lot. Yeah, job lot. Sometimes you know you, you never know what you're going to find at Ocean State job lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you know whatever people can send me stuff, send us stuff. We'll yep. uh, send you shirts, buttons. You what a movie? Bookshelves, uh, a toy. Yeah, bookshelves, a toy, <laughs> painter. We'll put it up on the shelf and give you a nice little plug. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That'll be awesome. Then you're like, once you get your bookshelves in place, then you could like, uh, yeah. you know, can, start you know, putting go, different things. Right. And you can move them around and be like, yeah. well, you know, I had enough of this. Let's put up this. <laughs> you got to put your sideshow Frankenstein monster on there. It's, oh, yeah, definitely. I might go around the table. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. All right, let's right, get. Chief, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else for me to report. I think that's. Yeah. I'm sorry. We'll be back next week. If you got news, you've got topics, you have questions, you have whatever you want us to talk about, you can email us at withoutyourhead at gmail dot com, or you can go to Facebook and join the group facebook dot com slash groups slash withoutyourheadhorror and leave comments, questions, topics. Uh, no complaints. And no momo. Pictures. No momos. Fuck the momo. I won't ban you, but I'll delete it. Yeah. Well, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll like leave stuff up there, and then we'll make fun of people. Oh yeah, I like a good like public humiliation. Yeah, that was I think last week's thing, but that was your oh, wrestling yeah. show. Oh, that, that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a tool bag. Yeah. Well, no, I wasn't even wrestling. He was talking about his movie deal with trauma. Oh I no, I, I was talking about the guy with the shorts. With the wrestling trunks. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like, we just nasty deal. This is terrible, Troy. This is without. You. <laughs> <laughs>